Hey guys, welcome to the Bowhunting Soul podcast. Thanks for joining me again. So today I've got uh, a guy on here. Name is Schaefer Magnet, and you probably listen to him. It is uh, he's the host of the uh, Green Mountain Tradcast uh, podcast, and uh, he lives in Vermont. And super cool guy. We um, you know we we talk all kinds of things. We we go for a long kind of BS session on here. I asked him if he would be a guest and do like a BS session with me, and he said, Yeah, sure, why not. So we're recording this uh, at the end of July. It's like July 29. I'm not sure when this is going to publish. I, I think I have a couple episodes in front of him. So you might not hear this for about, you know, three weeks a month. But, um, and, you know, we'll be even a lot closer uh, to deer season when this episode finally publishes. But we get into everything. We talk about a lot of stuff. We talk about, you know, where he lives in Vermont, um, you know, the deer situation there. We dive pretty deep into shooting methods and, uh, you know, what's right, what's wrong, Um you know, how people do things and how, you know, we should just kind of, you know, just do our own thing sometimes and, and, and not get so caught up with how other people uh, shoot or, or want to do things. And we go all over. Uh, I, I can't remember what else we talked. It was like two hours and we just moved on. We talked about bows. Um, you know, we, we talk about uh, uh, tree stands and setups and saddles and all kinds of stuff. So um, Shave is a really easy guy to talk to, you know, um, very, very humble guy. He uh, has a very, very deep passion for uh, traditional, um, traditional archery. And he, you know, by his own admission, he doesn't get a chance to shoot a, a, a lot of deer because where he is, there's not a lot of deer to shoot. And uh, we get into talking about all that kind of stuff, but that doesn't take away from the passion that he has for the sport and for uh, for archery and hunting and and, and, the, and the traditions and the people that come with it. So, anyway, hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, again, it's kind of a long one, but it's just uh, just kind of two guys around like a virtual campfire, almost a deer camp, just just BS. And so, with uh, without further ado, here is Schaefer Magnet. going yeah there we go shaper how's it going man oh not too bad yourself i'm doing good thanks for doing this kind of like um it wasn't really last minute but it was like hey um because i'm heading out of town tomorrow and i'm gonna be gone like you know i'm heading out of town then i come back for a day then i'm gone again so my next like several weeks are just crazy and yep. I'm like, you know, I, I, I want to talk to him. I want to get him on the, you know, I wanted to get you on here anyway and just kind of just have a just good old BS session. And I uh, thought, well, see if he's if he's free tomorrow night. And lo and behold, here you are. Well, you caught me on a, a good week. This is our last crazy week from this whole COVID thing. And I freaking, I was supposed to work tomorrow, but I chipped a tooth a few weeks back. So I have a dentist appointment tomorrow. So, you know, my bedtime got canceled. So, uh, <laughs> Got it. Of course, of course, we're talking with uh, with Schaefer Magnet from um, uh, Green Mountain Tradcast. So I, I'm pretty sure anybody that listens to me listens to you, you know. And I would hope that it would be the you know same way around. But um, I, you know, I kind of saw that you were doing doing a podcast. I don't know when did you start, like five six like months mi- ago, maybe. It was like mid October. You know, it's funny. Was it that far I- back? Yeah, I wanted to oh, do shit. one for like two years probably now or yeah. at the time. And freaking one day I got home from work and I was like, screw it. We're going to do some YouTube in and figure out how to do it. And here we are. Yeah. I mean, I, I just kind of dove in too. And, you know, I, I, I got a lot of help. I, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned it before, like Jason, you know, Simkoviak. I mean, he's, he's helped me like tremendously with all this stuff. I text him constantly, like, how do you do this? How do you do that? You know? And there's been other people that have just, you know, 
I've just reached out to and it's been so like open as far as uh, sharing information like, oh, yeah, try this or, you know, we record this way and we record that way. And um, you know how it goes. You just kind of got to muddle your way through it. And then same deal man, with like YouTube and stuff, too. You know, you just got to just jump in and kind of do it and figure it out. And then, you know, you you learn, you know, what what not to do just as easily as you learn what to do and just spit it out there and people if people like it people like it and people seem to like you know seem to like you and your and your uh, your podcast i like it a lot i i think you have great guests on there and you know what i really like Schaefer, is like you come off as like a very like low key non braggy of course just kind of like average guy that is like a, for, i'm i'm putting words in your mouth lucky to see a deer you know what i mean <laughs> Just because that would be where a great you live, way to put it. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, sweet, here's a guy that's that shoots like like almost as, as few animals as I do, <laughs> you know, and he's proud of it, not proud of it, but he's OK with it. And I'm OK with it. So you know, we're like, <laughs> I don't want to be like the pity party club, you know, but <laughs> it's a funny thing because, you know, it took a long time, I think, because of that reason for the bug to bite as hard as it has the last few years. Because mm-hmm. I've always been fairly success, you know, driven as far as, you know, if I don't see instant success, I have a hard time keeping the path. And mm-hmm. I, my dad has only hunted with a, you know, a trad bow since like 96 and I was born in 94. So, you know, it's, that's just what I grew up with, with him was with him only shooting a trad bow. So yeah. it's funny. He bought me a 20 gauge shotgun around the time I would start youth hunting mm. And I never once used it because really? I was so stubborn, you know, get that from him. And I only <laughs> wanted to use my trad bow because, you know, that's what he did. So, you know, that side of it's always been there. But I think the downside of me being that way is it did uh, prevent the hunting bug just due to the lack of success, you know, from a young age until I got back from school. And, you know, when I got back from college, when I, you know, I didn't do it for three years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, you know what? I I really enjoyed that. And since then, it's been a freaking downhill spiral of chaos. <laughs> Six broadheads at a time, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're telling me. You know, what you don't do is you add up your broadhead uh-huh. money because it's almost as bad as bows. Oh, yeah. So so I got so many questions to ask. I'm going to back up one second. So you're born in 94. Dude, I graduated school in 92, high school in 92. But <laughs> you're so you're born in 94, but your dad picked up a trad bow in 96. So how so why are you named Schaefer after Paul Schaefer if he didn't pick it up till like after you were born? Did you have like no name for the first two years? Well, I will say this. I'm not 100% sure when he started shooting one per se. I just I know okay. 96 is when he went full time. That's the only weapon he used. Oh, got it, got it. Yeah. So I can't say for sure. I know he was a very, he was very fond and a big fan of you know, all the originals. You know, except for Howard Hill for some reason they share the same birthday. So I think there's a little bit of spite there. But <laughs> anyways, uh, you know Fred Bear. He's a huge fan of you know if you need to guess one of his passwords, just try Fred Bear. Some number. <laughs> Usually you're good to go. But uh, yeah, you know it's. Obviously, Paul died the year before I was born, mm-hmm. and you know, from there it was kind of—I don't want to say a funny story because obviously we're talking about Paul dying. But mm-hmm. when I was born, my mom told my dad because I was born in September, and my dad used to always hunt New Hampshire, which opens mid-September. 
my mom told him that for my name to be Schaefer, I had to be born with a whole head of hair and uh, he had to be at the hospital <laughs> and not hunting. <laughs> <laughs> so I was born two weeks early with a full head of hair and then my head grew greatly and then I had a yarmulke worth of hair. So it's been <laughs> just in time. <laughs> Got it. Got it. That's, 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 that's pretty awesome. So you, so you, you never hunted, have, have you hunted with anything else other than, than a stick bow or? Uh, so my first youth seat, so I got my full on hunting license when I was 11. Uh, I mean, I, I obviously mean chipmunks and all that stuff. I mean, I think I shot my first chipmunk with a little Ben Pearson recurve when I was four. So, but I mean, other than that, I mean, I hunted with, I've probably brought a rifle into the woods maybe six times. And one of which I shot my first spike horn with on my very first day youth hunting. But other than that, I mean... I mean, I can think of there was that youth season. I think a few youth seasons later, I brought it out the last day. And then there was one year where I think I brought it out a few days for a uh, rifle season. But mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, it's it's only the trad bow. I mean, I was the weird kid in school that if they asked me if I wanted to go hunting, it was, well, can I use my trad bow? And I usually got declined and I didn't go. <laughs> You had no idea how hip you were back then. No, no. And, you know, I don't like to claim that I was one of the first YouTubers, too, Yeah. in the Tradbow community. But, I mean, technically, if you go way back when, I was like 15. So this was, you know, 11 years ago because I'll be 26 here pretty soon. And, you know, I was putting up YouTube videos. Now, I'm not going to say they're anything to, you know, claim fame to. But yeah. technically, I was producing Trad content back in the you know, 2008 range. Yeah. No, 2010. I don't know. Somewhere in there. <laughs> Is that still so. around? Your channel's still around? Yeah. I mean, if you look up Green Mountain Tradcast, it'll come up. I had to, I switched accounts a few times because I think I lied about my age on <laughs> my first one. Yeah. So I ended up having to make a new one. But I mean, you can you can see some throwback Schaefer stuff if you really want to. <laughs> Are you, are you still doing? I'm, I'm looking it up here on my phone right now. So are you, are you still are you still doing stuff on there? Or is a plan to do more stuff out? Uh, uh, that is a big plan this year. I'm hoping to get a new camera arm. I have a DSLR, and I thought it was going to be the world's greatest thing to film with, and it takes great, you know, uh, video obviously, but it's very cumbersome as far as you know. You got to change lenses depending on the zoom and all that stuff. So. I'll probably rock it because I like the quality of it so much better than my old camcorder. Yeah. But that's definitely in the works. I mean, I put up a a video about my, you know, another miss for turkey hunting this year. I think I called it Plucking Feathers 2020 and hopefully, (laughs) hopefully it won't have a sequel. Yeah. It's definitely, it's, it's something I'm going to strive to start doing more. So, yeah. Why am I not subscribed to this? I'm looking at it now. Dude, I've seen some of these. Now this looks familiar. I've seen some. Why did that not, not register earlier? It's huh, probably because I didn't have quite as nice of a patchy beard back then. There you go. That's You, you look You look a little shell-shocked in this one. Starting a new series, starting on traditional. Yeah, cool. Well, you got another subscriber there. Yeah. I just did it. So I'll It's funny. Up. If you really... You can see me, like, pick it up, you know, every, other, every few <clears throat> years. And I'll be, like, really heavy into it for, like, mm-hmm. six months. And then life got in the way again. <laughs> So. Yeah, that happened. So, so you're in Vermont, right? Correct. Yeah. And you're you've been there pretty much like your whole life. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I lived in Ohio for two years for school. So, mm-hmm. I mean, between school and work, I never had a chance to hunt. And then I came back in 2015. So all my hunting career has been here. So so, so talk to me. Give me like a quick synopsis of, of what it's like to be, uh, or at least of like the, the deer population, the animal population in Vermont. Um, and then maybe kind of touch on like some of the other like species that, that you guys can hunt for. All right. Well, I well obviously starting with deer, uh, I have been told outside of, I live in Chittenden County, which if you know of Vermont, you know of Burlington probably. Mm-hmm. And Burlington is probably, I work for the city of South Burlington. Okay. So I'm probably, you know, 15 minutes from Burlington and, uh, this general area where the deer population is somewhat healthy, you can't hunt because it's very liberal driven and it's just no hunting. So I have been told if you travel south by like where my buddy Ethan lives, hunting gets better. And I've started to do that last year. I'm hoping to do more of that this year. But generally speaking, a good year for me is seeing a deer or two. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty like last year. I screwed up on a doe opening day and I don't want to sound like I'm cold blooded, but you know, I knew it was a a flesh wound. So like I didn't sleep that bad that night Mm -hmm. after we tracked her for that long. But I was more upset by the fact that I just ruined an opportunity. And let's just say, I mean, I shot a deer in 2017 and I broke an 11 year streak then. And this will be year, well, four so yeah. since my last year so you know opportunities are few and far between and then obviously i mean i choose to limit myself even more so mm-hmm. it's it's rough i mean you know if i were to move more that's a big thing i need to work on myself is ex- traveling further and you know getting some new land to hunt we've just had this nice chunk of private basically to ourselves for the last 20 years so <laughs> it's been hard to leave it but it might be getting developed here soon if things go yeah, the way we think Yeah, I heard you say might. something about it. Yeah, you, you said uh, something, you, you think the land got sold or something like that? or Yeah, the property next door. So I think it's either going to be hunters or developers. So, uh, I mean, I don't know which one's worse, but... <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. So, I mean, that is the biggest fear at the moment. So that might change things completely. So I set up a camera behind my apartment, and I've got... The apartment complex is on 80 acres, and I would say at least 40 of it is the actual complex. But on the back side of that, I mean, it's a few private chunks of land, but if it's not posted here, you can hunt it. Really? So, I mean, I I have a lot of acreage behind my apartment I can peruse, and the odds of me seeing somebody during bow season is pretty slim. But other than that, I mean, turkey hunting here is pretty solid. I mean... My dad and I are probably the two laziest turkey hunters you'll ever find. We pretty much, the same land we hunt deer at, uh, we just set the blind up at the top of the field every year in the same spot. And <laughs> usually opening day, one of us gets a crack at one. Maybe day two, we'll see them, maybe get another chance. And yeah. we're usually done turkey hunting by the end of the second weekend because we both, well, he rides, you know, Harleys and I usually that's when, you know, 3D season starts to pick up. So mm-hmm. we, we enjoy it as like kind of a, you know, get out of the house. It's spring type of thing, but we're not super serious in the turkey hunting. 
Yeah, it's kind of a break. Exactly. Not yeah, to mention, I can't hit the yeah. things worth a damn. So. Yeah, I missed one at nine yards this year. So, you know, yeah. I was, I, I was, I, I almost pulled off. I almost pulled off that. You know, you know. Well, he talked about it on your on yours on your show that the the Cabrera, you know, with the ghillie and everything <laughs> like that. So I yeah. almost did that. Except I swear to God, mine would have been cooler. I was hunched down. I was hunkered down. It wasn't some. You know, I wasn't sitting on a, on a um chair like he was all easy like i'm just kidding because <laughs> it was pretty it was a pretty damn cool video you but i mean i was like yeah cool. i mean totally you know like rose up and and i hit i hit my decoy my 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 arrow the tail of my arrow whacked my decoy on the way to the turkey i, I was just man but yeah i i i am three sorry i am out of that last four years i've had three shots on turkeys one was with a compound and two was with my trad bows and i've missed all three of them and in yeah. one year, I didn't get any, like, you know, the previous season, I didn't get any, any opportunities, but, but this year was most definitely the most, the most exciting. And yeah, you're right. It's, it's a reason to get out there. You can get out early, you know, I mean, what, well, that's a good thing or not. Cause you got to get up at like four 30 in the morning. Oh, it's awful, know? isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but then you're, and then you're like, man, do I want to do this? And then you get out there and you see all the, well, you know, the woods wake up and then the, you know, wildlife and this and that. And, um, you're like, yeah, okay, this is totally worth it, you know. But then, you know, you're dragging like later in in, in the day, and you're like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like got up so damn early. I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to get up that early. But, um, so so how, how much how much like public land do you have in in Vermont in general, and how like accessible is it? You know, uh, it's it's something I'm starting to look into a lot more. It, we don't have a ton of it, and we I mean we have the Green Mountain National Forest, but that's like two and a half hours away from me. So it's not super practical for, you yeah. know, just, you know, casual weekend hunt. Right. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's a lot of small little town, you know, forests and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the land we normally hunt, you can actually get to a town forest on the backside of it. Yeah. But the land there is, it's not super large parcels. So it's, I'm not going to say it's not practical, but it, they're not huge chunks of land, so you, you kind of you have what you have. So, a lot of people here hunt private. Really, yeah. And it seems like I'm I'm guessing here, but in a small mountainous, you know, like northeasty kind of state, it, it it's 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 you don't have a long way to go, but it takes forever to get there, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no, I mean, everything's windy, twisty, hilly roads, right? Yeah, we, I think. If I remember correctly, when I lived in Ohio, people thought it was weird that I described distance by time versus miles. Ah. Because, you know, out west where I was in school, you know, everything was, you know, 60 mile per hour roads and it was Mm -hmm. all straight shots here. It's, you know, a 20 mile drive may be, you know, 45 minutes. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah. There is no straight way normally, so... Yeah, so it's not e- what I'm getting at is it's not easy for you to just kind of hop, skip, and a jump and go, you know, hit one place or hit another place and drive. Because I mean, you know, well, I, I mean, I I lived for a long time in Delaware, and the joke was, you know, you blink and you know you're you're through Delaware, right? So Vermont's not that much bigger. It's bigger, but it's not that much bigger. But geographically, you would look at it and be like, oh, well, you know, you can try different places and 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 maybe hit different, uh, you know, pu- public lands, but when you have a job and a life and everything else, like trying to get to some of these places, if they're not really close by, you're, you're not getting there. Right. Or you're getting there maybe on a weekend or something like that. And you can't really pull something off like before or after, 
after work. You know what I mean? Exactly. So to give you an idea, I know Ripton is around where the Green Mountain National Forest starts. uh, Ripton, Vermont. It is 45 miles away, and it would take me an hour and 10 minutes to get there. So it's, I mean, it's not horrendous because that's on a pretty big road, but I mean, it's, uh, it, it's weird. I mean, sometimes I wish I never left Ohio. I will say that for <laughs> sure. My wife's actually from there. So oh, really? if it wasn't for a job that brought me home, I would probably still be in Ohio. <laughs> now you, you said you work for the city, uh, um, city of South, South Burlington. Burlington. Yeah. So Burlington. what do you, what do you do? I'm a mechanic, so you know, okay. I worked on all the anything from the dump trucks to the small engines. So it's quite the uh, everything, <laughs> quite the allotment, you know. Yeah, yeah. The snap-on you know, bill exceeds the bow bill, so. Oh, dude, I've I've put a couple snap-on uh, uh, dealer, you know, truck, truck, whatever owners through uh, their kids through college. I'm sure, you know, I haven't bought it. I haven't bought anything in a long time because you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm not buying anymore because. Then it just becomes it's you know what it's kind of like bows and arrows. You're like I don't really need this, but it's so cool and shiny, <laughs> you know. And I could use it in this application if I had to. So yeah, here's like three hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, no, I went full on bow buying when I bought my Epic toolbox or my uh, Snap On Epic. You know, yeah. I had to have it. I had to yeah. have that cool, cool toolbox. So, <laughs> but yeah, I've um. <clears throat> I've, I've luckily, like, like I said, I've restrained myself um, from uh, from from doing that. So, all right. So you, let's go back a bit to to young Schaefer. Now, you said you you hunted kind of on and off when you were, um, you know, you were younger, and then you went off to college. You know, that kind of stopped, and then all of a sudden, like the the bug kind of hit you. Like, what what was it about it that like re-sparked it in you that you're like, man, I really want to dive back into, um, you know, bow hiking. You know, it's it's funny you say that because occasionally, if you scroll way back on my Instagram page, you'll you'll kind of hit the line <laughs> of where you'll see like Schaefer in school and down, and then I made this set of autumn orange twenty twenties. Okay, Wait, this was probably I don't know four years ago now, mm-hmm. and I don't know what it was about that set of arrows, but I started going to three D shoots and started hanging out with my buddy Troy and you know he kind of lived up in the mountains and we'd kind of go out behind his house a few times and we went bear hunting and I just remember going over my parents house one day and just telling my dad that I was like excited for bow season and since that day it's just kind of been it's what I talk about all year (laughs) yeah so it, it was it was, I don't know, I'm not saying it was that set of arrows per se. And honestly, I think social media was a good thing for me to a point. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I saw a lot of success and I just saw the fun environment that so many people were having. And I was like, man, you know, I miss that. Just <clears> the, <throat> being out in the woods and whatnot. And like I said, it's been snowball effect big time. I mean, I'm sitting in my hunting room right now and it's a disaster, but it is filled with stuff i've bought in the last four years <laughs> yeah i i i guess can be considered an adult onset hunter too you know although i didn't consider myself an adult at the time i mean basically it was like you know college college ish college area you know time kind of thing or after so and i never really hunted before then 
And, you know, it just kind of started off with like you know, a couple buddies and I going, hey, let's go trap shooting. And there was a trap range and it just kind of snowballed from there. And um, then I kind of gave it up for a while because uh, I moved away and you know, I got, you know, into, you know, into racing and stuff. And, um, you know, you kind of live like a gypsy for a little while till you get a little bit, of, a little bit established. And and then I kind of really picked it up again in like, I don't know, mid to late 2000s, you yeah. know. And, um, and that was not even, that was just kind of like not even hardcore. And I think probably in the last, I'm going to say six to eight years, it's been like really, really hardcore with, you know, with, with the bows and the tuning and just diving in and the, you know, geeking out all, you know, all over this and stuff like that. And actually just yesterday I, uh, I said, well, I haven't sold it yet. It's at the local archery shop hanging on a bow rack, but, um, I, I kind of, ditched my compound that I've had for a while. I, I kind of built that compound and I was, I was like, you know, I, I like looking at it and I've got a lot of like, you know, when you, you know how it is when you build something and you've got this affinity to it and it's, 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 you, you like it for what it is and the memories or whatever, but I just, I didn't get any enjoyment shooting it anymore, you know? So it's, it's going down the road. It's, it's listed for sale. Yep. No, I can, it's funny. That's one of the reasons I started the podcast and this might sound real negative towards me, but I won't mean I've been shooting a trad bow. I mean, my dad said I was one and a half and I have a hard time what whether, you know, to count that. But I mean, if mm-hmm. you look at it that way, you know, I'm going to be 26 and I've been shooting a trad bow for 24 years. Yeah. So it, I'm not going to say it takes experimenting to be fun. But, you know, I've been doing it for so long already, but that's one reason why I really enjoy playing with arrows and doing all this other stuff. Because as far as, like, just a traditional bow goes, you know, I feel like I have my head wrapped around it really good. Yeah. Now, the hunting side, that's still, that's, uh, I, I, I try to get it over in my podcast that, you know, don't listen to me per se, because I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons why I try to have the people on I do is because it's kind of a, oh, well, I'm going to have you on to help other people, but I'm not going to lie. It's a little selfish at the same time. <laughs> so, Oh, absolutely. Cause you get to talk to some of the greatest people, you know, as far as experience wise and, you know, history wise, you know, in, in, in the sport. Exactly. It gives you, it gives you a reason to talk with them. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm not the outgoing type of person that could just randomly, you know, start up a chat with somebody off of Facebook or Instagram. But Mm -hmm. give me that, well, you know, I have a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if you're sitting, you know, behind a headset, you know, because it's a little bit easier to to talk to somebody and kind of, you know, probe some questions and stuff. Um, Yeah, so... I guess similar, well, not similar in that you know, you've been shooting like a long, but a long, long time. But I feel like I finally now wrapped, well, within the last year, you know, maybe like up till about a year ago, till, that I finally wrapped my head around, okay, I can shoot. Now I'm going to learn how to shoot like, like way better and like really, really experiment. Because I, I don't know if you went through this. You've probably been shooting like for, for so long that I, Again, I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, did you ever get to a point where you went from, man, I don't know if, like, how, how am I even going to hit that whole bag target over there to now you don't even think about it. And you're like, why didn't I hit that little pinpoint on, on, on the very top right corner of the bag target? And I'm not afraid that if it goes past it, it's going to hit the cinder block wall that's behind it. You know what I mean? Did you ever, did you ever get to that point? Did you ever have that? 
Yes. So I, I'm convinced I was a better shot when I was like 10 before I knew anything, you know, when it was just <laughs> simply shooting a bow. Yeah. And then I think I just did a podcast the other day. I haven't launched it, so I don't think the story's out there yet. But when I was, it was late middle school, early high school. I can't remember which, uh, but I remember shooting in the basement. We were doing a winter league that year and I was <clears> shooting in the basement, just kind of warming up before we left. And the question crossed my mind, you know, how, how do you release? Like, you know, you just, it's so like, you don't really think about it. And also only the strings out of your hand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if people don't know who I am, I shoot very quick and it's probably a side effect from this, <laughs> this, these few years. But from that point on, I would get the full draw and I just couldn't let go of the string. Like I asked that question and then I couldn't let go of the string. (laughs) It was a very frustrating few years. You gave yourself target panic just by all of a sudden, like realizing, like putting yourself in the moment, you know? And yeah, like I was was shooting in the basement. I just kind of, I wonder how you release, like, you know, what mentally does it do you? And then I just, I couldn't let go of the string. (laughs) And it's in your head and then you're screwed exactly so from that point on i would literally just hold that full draw hold that full draw hold that full draw and then i just remembered i would rip my hand down and back and i would almost always shoot you know a foot and a half high because yeah i would let go when my hand was you know below my chin right right you're yanking the back of the arrow down yeah so that led to some very very frustrating years and it kind of led to the shooting quickly uh i mean i've always shot fairly quick but and then there was this hall. I mean, I mean, I've been experimenting with my shooting for probably the last four months because of this COVID stuff. And I'm not saying the Joel Turner stuff because I think it's great, but I really enjoy how I shoot, and I'd rather have fun and shoot twenty and inaccurately than have no fun and shoot past twenty yards. If that makes sense, I know that might be kind of contradicting to itself but no it's not um i've, I've kind of been, been been following your uh, your 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 progress and i don't i don't want to say regression because that makes it sound negative i don't mean that but reverting to the way you shoot um and i, I i'm watching you going dude i went through the exact same thing and i still go kind of like flip-flop back and forth and i i think you had I, I do you have a clicker on there now or not? Because I know you're playing with the clicker. You were playing with I know you switched to three under and I know you were trying to playing around with kind of holding a little bit more and just kind of slowing down your shot. And then what, like a couple weeks ago, I, I don't know when this is going to post, but I mean, this is like the like last couple days of July here. But um, a few few, I don't know, a couple like weeks or two ago, maybe something like that. And you were like, you know what, I'm I'm you, you kind of said, I'm going to go back to the way I would know how to do it because you were just getting frustrated, right? Yeah. And, you know, some of that might just be that I wasn't, you know, giving it enough dedication. And to answer your question about the clicker, if you need one, it's sitting on my back deck because I took it off mid shooting session one day and just chucked it there. Because uh, <laughs> it, for me, it made things worse. You know, like I would draw and it just, it wouldn't, like, I don't know. It just, for me, I would rather fight through it and not use a clicker 
Mm-hmm. And it may take me an extra year. But when it comes to, I don't know, I might try a grip trigger. I have a Black Widow on order right now with the cooling grip. Oh, you do? And when I get that bow and I might try a grip trigger because the grip trigger does not work on a Schaefer grip. It just it, it, kind of, it doesn't it just... work on a Kodiak 59 either. Uh, it's sitting downstairs on my bench. Uh, <laughs> I, I, when you said, I'm sorry to interrupt you, I interrupted you, but no worries. When, 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 when you said, um, you you ripped it off midway when you know you know okay and I know people are gonna say well you didn't give it enough chance you didn't give it enough time some things you just know it's not gonna work and I tried and and I'm sure it works for a lot of people and and their grips and this and that but I'm like there is no way in hell this thing is gonna and I got the medium one is gonna work for me and I tried it on on the Kodiak I tried it on um, uh, my bear grizzly I tried it on uh, I don't think I tried it on the Tolkien or whatever but I mean I tried it on like a few. And I'm like, there's just no way that I will absolutely 100% of the time grip this thing the exact same way every time, especially in the field. You know, maybe I'm I'm delusional, maybe I'm fooling myself, and maybe the experts are like, you idiot, you didn't give it any chance, and you sound like a typical idiot student. Okay, but I may not know everything, but I've I, I know enough to know when something's not just it's not for me. You know, like right away it screams, no, I, I, I can see too many problems with this. And that to me was it. Now the clicker, I can work my way through a clicker. And I actually like the clicker. Um, but I have gone through bouts of clicker panic, you know. Yeah. I, it, I, I don't know if you watched the most recent video. Well, like we said, it's July 29th. So that Jason Samkowiak posted. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> that That is like my exact thought on why I'm going back. You know, there is ideal situations, but I feel like right now, if I just shooting the way I am, I feel like I could lay on my belly and take a shot at a deer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's, it's just how it is. <laughs> yeah. And I, that's one of the things that... I, I am the fun guy on the 3D course. Yeah. I like to think I'm the one that'll stop looking between two twigs. That's doable. And then I'll usually break an arrow. But that stuff is just so fun to me. And, like, like I, I can't a ton just because I think it works really well for hunting situations. I mean, and it just feels natural. I don't even know where I was going with this, but basically if you listen to, I think it's my episode 27 or you look at the post, I think I posted the same day. I basically said that, you know, at the end of the day, just make sure you're going down the path that works best for you and that you find fun because there is, it's becoming very clear that there is a stereotypical norm these days that if you it's funny (laughs) if you don't fit it you're definitely in the minority (laughs) and one thing i mentioned in that podcast was last year at denton hill i posted some video clips of me shooting at various targets you know they were going behind the shoulder it's not like i was hitting them in the butt Mm -hmm. and i got roasted (laughs) about my form i'm like it'd be one thing if i asked <laughs> or wanted yeah. constructive criticism or if i was hitting them in the butt but you know yeah, it's, it's like hey dude you hit one in the nose like rudolph and then one you know in, uh, in back in the other end in the tailpipe you know you might need some instruction but 
you know, if if you're getting him in the kill zone, and I mean like a genuine like real kill zone, not like eh kind of kill zone, then if it works, it works. You know. Exactly. Don't get me wrong. I fall apart in front of people, and I'm not even embarrassed to say that I do not yeah. do well in that type of situation. Yeah. But what's funny is is when I'm in a hunting situation, holding at full draw is easy. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't the last yeah. year I shot in 2017. I think I drew back at her when she was I, I must have been at full draw on her for like 10 seconds. Yeah, because I drew back and she was walking and I I literally I was about to let down and she walked into this perfect clump of branches and I shot right through the branches. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for me, I, I like to think so. I mean, I've missed a lot of turkeys, but I try not to think those are very accurate representations because they're so small. But I mean, the f- few times I've shot at deer, it's like a completely different person compared to when I'm shooting in a crowd of people. Like I'm, I'm on the mindset of it's a different mentality. I don't know. It's a different type of pressure mm-hmm. that some people handle differently. Like for some people, it's exactly the same. And other people, like for me, I think it just brings out this whole level, you know, whole serious side that just things, things clicking and they're engaged in a different way. <laughs> are are you, are you of the mindset that, um, you know, you hear guys say, you know, I'm terrible on, I'm terrible on a uh, target, but I get it done on animals. You know, are, are you of that mindset or are you coming at it from, or is there's not that, not what you're saying? I would say it's a very similar mindset. I don't think yeah. like... I don't think I'm terrible on targets. Like, you know, I can shoot a pretty good 3D core uh, mm-hmm. score. But, you know, that's more in a casual environment. I mean, I don't I, I, I think there's truth to that statement. And I know there's a lot of people that would disagree. Yeah. But I mean, my opinion, there is truth behind it. <laughs> and I'm not talking a 3D course either. I'm talking like you go, let's say, to, you know, indoor range, whatever, your typical 20 yards, and you put up like the blue face, uh, you know, um, what is it? N-A, N-A whatever, tar- anyway, the blue face target, you know what I mean? Um, that you shoot like a 300, you know, round with, and all you're doing is you're shooting at the target. I hate those things. Now, I can understand when someone says, okay, well, you know, that is a, that is a um a standardized measure um across you know like you would shoot the same thing i would shoot the same thing we're all doing shooting the same thing and that's a good way for standardization to see how you measure up in your shooting ability and aiming ability and and all that stuff i understand that but i have to concentrate when i try to do it and again this is coming from a guy who has yet to 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 put an arrow from a traditional bow through an animal okay so i i i'm I don't want to come off as like, well, that, that, you know, that, that's all bullshit because I'd be talking out of my ass. But just from the way I shoot and the way I practice, if I if I'm trying to do one of those like 300 round like blue face deals, I gotta really, 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 really concentrate and aim and this, that, and the other. But when I go and I rip that target down, and you know, I've got an I've got an indoor range here, like like literally two minutes down the road. Okay, and. Um, if I go early in the morning, like they open at six, okay, there's nobody there. And I have like five, six lanes to shoot across, up, down, whatever, whatever the hell I want to do. And if I like pick like a spot, let's say on like three lanes over and all the way in the top right corner, and there's like a little like piece of paper, you know, or, or some sort of discolor, a marker, whatever I can, I, I, I can hit that spot without even thinking, not thinking about it. I mean, I still got to 
for me, I still have to look at it and the site picture has to be right and alignment and all that stuff. But I'm not like trying to like, okay, I need to hit. It, it's, a, it's a different mental like, game that's going on yeah, in my it's, head. It's almost a calmness. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. So I look to go at, along I with what this and just execute it. The the 3D range I go to a lot, they have rag butts set up at 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 in the practice range. I will scatter arrows like no tomorrow at the 50-yard rag butt. What's a rag butt? Uh, just like a uh, burlap filled with clothes. Oh, yeah. Just... So I, you know, I can't hit it worth a darn. Or like I go to the 20-yard and, you know, I'm all over the place. But you put me on the 3D course... It's just like the like you said, the mindset changes. Mm-hmm. You know, I love shooting from the compound stake with my buddies. I mean, I'm no Aaron Snyder. I'm not going to shoot a competitive score. Mm-hmm. But even you know, a target at sixty or seventy, I mean, I have pretty good faith. I'll hit it on the first arrow. I'm not yeah. saying it'll be accurate, but I can't even hit the fifty yard rag butt. <laughs> you know, within yeah. five. But for some yeah. reason, on the first arrow at seventy, on a random target in the woods. Where, you know, I don't even know the distance. Mm-hmm. It it goes in there. So, not to mention, just like, one arrow at a time at randomly placed animals on a 3D course, I do a lot better than trying to put a group together on a target. Agreed. Like you were saying. So, yeah, it's a... Yeah. There, I can see how one can benefit the other. <laughs> I can definitely see how becoming more proficient indoor could help you know, your form and whatnot, which would make you more consistent. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm a very, I never said I wasn't <clears throat> a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. I, I 100% agree with what you're saying there because I'm still trying to meld the two. Okay, because I have a lot more fun and I feel like I make way better shots when I'm just kind of roaming. Because we also have an outdoor range that's about like seven minutes away. Okay, and they're not 3D or anything like that, but they're just random targets at at different, you know, distances and stuff. And again, I'll go there like, first of all, it's never usually very busy anyway. And I'll go there at like, especially now, like five o'clock in the morning and there's nobody there. I have the run of the place. And, you know, so I can kind of go and take shots um, safely from not ex- not from where you're supposed to i can kind of get in the brush a little bit i can walk up i can walk back i can hunker down behind i can shoot through brush which i practice all the time um y- you know that's way more fun and i'm not thinking at all about <clears throat> in, in the same way that i do if i go shoot indoor and i'm like okay i'm going to put a, p- a target up there and i'm going to try and hit you know those those x's in, in, in that target when i do just the target it's a completely different mindset and I don't know whether it should be or not. I mean, I'm, I'm not I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm asking the question, you know, is it the same mindset? Because uh, I know you're supposed to go through the same, you know, form and, and shot sequence and all that stuff. And it, it seems like for me with the target, it helps me make sure I always come back to clicker, make sure I'm always kind of settled in and everything is, is whatever. But it's the aiming part of it that completely screws up my, uh, you know, my, my brain. Maybe it's just the target and all the circles, you know, concentric circles and stuff. But I don't have that problem um, with the clutter, the visual clutter when I'm shooting at a target just kind of ro- you know, roving around. And these, these, these are like target bales, but they have like, you know, the pictures on them, like the... Um, you know, the, the, the canvas, you know, pictures on the front, you know, with, you got a deer and a pig and a turkey or, or what have you. But I'll pick a spot and it'll be way more fun and I don't have to think as much. And 
it's in there, you know, am I knocking the X's out of it? No, but I mean, am I getting it within, you know, less than a fist? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know. I think I've said this before on something, but like the practice range of Denton Hill, for example, I develop such bad target panic there because I don't want to miss. And mm. it's not so much that I'm afraid of missing. I don't want to lose an arrow. <laughs> that I've lost so many arrows through the years at the Denton Hill practice range because it is sloped the worst possible way ever. But regardless, I'm so nervous about missing there. I have target panic at the practice range. And I, I don't know, you might or might not follow this. And I think it's true for myself anyways, at least with the way my brain works. I think there's a huge level of difference in concentration as far as like just shooting at a, you know, a paper target and then, you know, shooting one of those targets like you were saying, because it's more like your brain likes the challenge. Mm -hmm. So it's willing to put in that concentration versus yeah. your brain almost gets bored on a paper target. So it's just it is what it is. Now, I think one of the big things for me when it comes to like a hunting situation is there is nothing other than making that shot. That's the only thing that matters. I could care less what happens to the arrow. I could care, you know, the only thing that matters is putting that arrow in that spot. Right. Any of the other regular obstacles that you would fight in, you know, a practice session or something like missing isn't a forethought. Breaking an arrow, don't care. Missing, don't care. <laughs> the only thing in my head that matters is putting the arrow in that spot. And I think it's kind of that clarity in the concentration that just completely like kind of locks in in the hunting situation yeah. that makes it different. Because that's the only thing. Yeah, it's just when I'm shooting an arrow at an animal, it is 110% worth it. No matter what happens, it was worth it. <laughs> oh, whether you lose the arrow or not or. Yeah, right. Correct. You know, yeah. like yeah, at a 3D in. range, if I miss and I lose the arrow, I'm like, well, that kind of freaking sucks. You know, if I lose an arrow after shooting at a deer, you know, it could be the first time in eight years. I'm not going to care. <laughs> it's just, it's a weird way of putting it, but it's, it's how I think my brain works anyways. Yeah. It's, it's just in that moment, that arrow is a hundred percent worth it. And the concentration level is as high as it's ever going to be. Yeah. hundred percent. And by the way, I'm not telling anybody that, you know, one way is right or another way. I'm, I'm just kind of verbally like running at the mouth here um saying you know just with my frustrations with with certain things because i've tried one way i like certain aspects of, of one way but then it doesn't seem to to, to translate when i shoot in in a, in a in, in a different you know medium you know what i mean so i'm not saying hey if you want to stand upright bolt vertical you know bow straight upright olympic style i mean again I don't have the body count to sit there and tell anybody how they should be shooting a bow. I'm just, I'm still, you know, I'm still learning. So I, I'm, I'm, and I'm not in any way saying that, um, you know, if you, uh, th th that it is different, you know, exactly. Like shoot, shoot, yeah. Yeah. Shooting a target versus shooting, you know, a, a live animals, because I don't know. I mean, the, the one pig that I wounded and never found and the two turkeys that I missed, well, that sure, certainly doesn't help my cause. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so who I'm am just I to Joe say? Smo up in yeah. Vermont that's shot two deer with a bow. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. So that, that's all I'm trying to say. So okay. Uh, what? Since we're on this, so what is your, I guess, 
do you have a style? Do you have a, I, I know your shooting style is relatively quick, but I mean, what's your, are, are you pure instinctive? Do you see the sight picture? I mean, are you referencing anything? How, how's it, how's it work for you when you're, um, when, when you're trying to take a shot? All right. So, I mean, I, I would say I'm as close to pure instinctive as you can. I mean, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I know some people, you know, you're gapping subconsciously or something like that. But I am the type of person that if I see my point, I freak out. Like it is my arrow is not there, at least in the conscious mind. (laughs) And uh, like when I was trying three under the other day, uh, I was trying to. It, it it wasn't fun for me because I had to know the yardage. I didn't like that. <laughs> Why did you have to know the yardage? Uh, I was I was trying to gap. I was trying to gap three yeah. under. So basically, oh. I was trying to shoot competitively from the compound stake. Is what I was was my goal. So oh, I was gotcha. trying to learn my gaps, trying to you know do all that, but I had to know the yardage. <laughs> And it just like completely like in my mind at that point, I may as well have picked up a compound. I know a lot of people won't like that statement, but <laughs> at having to know like I, for me, 20 and in is when a trad bow becomes more practical. Yeah. And I mean, I know Fred Bear used to shoot 50, you know, and all my, that. Stuff. My arrows can't make 50. I'm pulling 38 to 42 pounds. I can't even hit 50 yards. So. Yeah. You know, 20, 20, 20, I'm kind of, you know, um, really concentrating 25. I'm aiming, you know, but I hate shooting that far, you know, 13, 15. I love it. Yeah. And see, the funny thing is I could see myself shooting 30 on a deer, but I would have no idea it was 30. <laughs> because yeah, you're just, if it's, it, if it's a go, no go in your brain, right? Exactly. It's a feel, yeah. you know, feel good feeling, you know? And the other, the funny thing is, I suck at judging yardage so bad. My friend oh, ruined it for me. The last year I shot, I could have swore it was 18 yards walking. That was like the coolest thing ever. Showed my buddy where it all happened. He's like, dude, that was like 12 yards. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you just took six yards worth of cool off of that. Yeah, I'm terrible <laughs> at yard, judging yardage. But yeah, so I, I mean, I'm fully instinctive. I shoot, I shoot split. I'm stubborn. I, I tried three under a whole lot and you know honestly my release gets cleaner but i love having the arrow between my fingers because for me it just gives me this level of control i don't have three under Hmm. and it's probably also 24 years worth of shooting split and stubbornness of course yeah because another i mean i love like i'll face away from the target and draw up and over so you know the shelf and side plate are pointing towards the ground can't do that shooting three under so I, I love to do stuff like that, and it's just it's just the level of control I feel you have split versus three under. But no, I I'm a fully instinctive person, and uh, I would say on a good day, 25 yards and in, it's pretty deadly. I mean, there's some days where you know stretching out to 40 is not that big of a deal, and there's some days where 10's challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's a constant battle, but so. Are you are you drawing first and then and then picking a spot? Are you picking a spot and then drawing, or, or, or do you even you know? So that is something. I'm so I'm still trying to change. I'm still trying to slow the process down. Yeah. I'm just trying. I actually, if you watch uh, Scott's Outdoor Life, 
uh, on YouTube, uh, Scott Heinzman. I don't know, something along those lines. But he, he basically posted a video on how he beat Target Panic. And okay. I, I, I think I shoot fast because of that, but I still shoot well. So I hate to say it's full-on Target Panic, but it, it is. <laughs> so I'm trying to do it the same way he did. So I've been doing working in a lot of just drawback, hold, in a hold for five seconds, just staring down that spot and a let down. So I'm just trying to train my brain, you know, that technically the the aim and the shot are separate. You know, that whole thing you hear. That you don't have to let go just because you drew back, you mean? Correct. Okay. I mean, yep. I will say this. I, I can easily draw up. Just because I draw does not mean I have to let go. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not at that point. <laughs> right. But, uh, oh, where was, where was I going with this? Uh. Um, separating the, uh, yeah, the shot from the, the, the shot from the draw. Like, are you drawing first or are you, you looking right. first and then drawn? So that's where I was going. All right. So I originally always used to pick the spot right away and then I would focus on it all the way through. And I would say I still do that for the most part, or I at least focus on the general area. Mm-hmm. And then I've been trying to work in more of the spot specific after I hit anchor. But up to this point, and I'll see if this works well, but I've always been, I focus on that spot all the way through the draw. And I I mean, I'm not a swing drawer either. You know, my bow arm comes up and then I draw. Because I remember watching, I think it was Brothers of the Bow. It was an old Barry and Gene Wenzel movie. And uh, mm-hmm. Barry was saying how much less movement there was for, you know, deer to see when you pick up the bow and then draw versus the amount of movement in a swing draw. Right. So I kind of developed that on an early age. So I've always been picked the spot, bow arm comes up. I don't, like, that was one reason I struggled with, like, Joel Turner's method is because he always says, you know, come into anchor, you know, aim, and then move on. Well, I'm like, well, I lift my bow arm, you know, I get to, it's already done. It's, I don't consciously move my arm <laughs> yeah. per se. Once, you know, my bow arm comes up, I reach draw, and the arrow is pointing where it's pointing at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm definitely pick the spot beforehand, draw, shoot. So, it's it's quick. <clears throat> so, then your split finger, and uh, where, I mean, where, where are you anchoring? I mean, does it... So, normally, I'm pointer finger, corner, uh, corner of my mouth. That's kind of more of a loose anchor. I won't mm-hmm. say. And then just the way my hand's built, my thumb hooks around my jaw perfectly. Okay. So that's more of the, the solid anchor. And you'll notice even when I shoot quick, my hand still wraps around. And like I think what usually triggers the shot is that bone on bone from my the back of my hand touching my jaw. Mm-hmm. I believe that's what normally triggers it. And usually my hand comes out because... My pinky, like I posted the other day, I tend to draw like I'm drinking tea in France. <laughs> so my uh, pinky tends to lead the uh, release. But <laughs> So you're probably one of these guys that, you know, it can be labeled snap shooting, but you're actually going through and hitting the same spot every time as far as your draw and your, and your yeah. anchor point, right? You're just doing it really fast. I've always liked to call it controlled snap shooting because okay. it's not just full on, you know, draw release. It's, you know, there is, you know, I like to think I'm using my back. I mean, I don't get any shoulder pain, so I, I, I must be pulling with something halfway decent. That's not bad for me. 
So, and I, I definitely mean back in the day of Trad Gang when Terry, Terry Green, I think his name was, you know, he mm. did his little form clock thing and it was draw with a J. So I've always kind of gone out and around since an early age from being on Trad Gang. Yeah. So I've always feel like as far as like form, and I think that's one reason my draw length is so long is because I've done that from such an early age. I mean, I'm pushing six one and with a clicker good lord my draw length was pushing 31 wow so i mean i would say that was probably some shoulder pulling yeah but i mean i i'm closer to the 30 mark than 29 okay so i mean i and i'm not you know i'm not super tall i mean six foot's i'd say on the tall end of average Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i mean you know you know what the um I've talked about this before, and a little bit of a tangent here. But did you did you ever experiment with um, when you when you had the clicker on? Were you just shooting kind of um, like when you post in your videos, just kind of in your in your backyard there, you know, standing upright, or did you actually like did did you try anything from like a kneeled position, seated position, elevated position, where you're you know you're, you're supposed to keep that upper body form, but we all know that we don't keep that upper body form. You know what I mean? Did you did you try that and actually with the clicker and, and, and see that if you were still hitting, you know, your 30 or 31 inch before it clicked off or, or no? I'm not going to lie. I had a hard time, hard enough time reaching the clicker. I did not do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I think one reason that gave me struggles is when I came into full draw, what was comfortable for me was just like full expansion. Like I didn't have any room left in the tank. Right. to get that clicker to break because i mean it could have been mental i know joel turner he has one of those courses where it's like if you can get the clicker to break when you're not shooting it's mental <laughs> so it, it could have been on the mental side but uh i man it just i i did not try a whole bunch and i'm not gonna lie when i did have it on i mean i i solidly shot it for probably a thousand shots when tim kind of bet me to do it <laughs> But it, yeah. it it was a grueling thousand arrows over ten days. <laughs> so so did, did you, so out of those thousand arrows, did you? How often did you hit the clicker on that? How often would you say you honestly, like percentage wise? I would say at least nine hundred and fifty. So it was That's it was way pretty damn impressive. I mean, it was. And a lot of the times, I mean, I would say most of the shots I didn't hit it, it was me choosing, all right, I'm going to try to shoot five arrows and see if I can not use the clicker. You know, I was kind of like testing myself with or without Mm -hmm. it throughout those thousand arrows. So it wasn't so much that I wasn't hitting the clicker. It was more of a challenging myself not to use it periodically. I mean, I... I don't want to say it was 10 or less shots, but I mean, out of the, out of that time, I mean, I pretty much forced myself to hit the clicker every time. Hmm. So, and you, st- and, and, and even after a thousand shots, you still didn't, you didn't, you didn't grow to like it. No, it, it was so unnatural still. <laughs> like it just, it one for me, <sighs> I've always liked being hunched over and canting and with the clicker to, for it to work well for me anyways, I was much more vertical <clears throat> and, uh, I, it just, it didn't fit. Like there's some things in life that for some reason, even though, you know, they're not the best things, it's just, you, it's just like me and three under, 
or a split finger. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for me to be stubborn about it, but I'm never going to change it. Cause when I think about all the people I grew up watching, they all shot split finger, <laughs> you know, it's that type of thing where even though it's probably technically better, I, uh, it's from a mental side, I can't get myself to do it. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've talked about this before, but it, it's worth mentioning again. Um, because you hit the you hit the nail on, on the head right there when when i when, when i was shooting like kind of bolt upright and not even like i can't the bow too i kind of hunch over a little bit um i can't the bow and um not that i'm an aaron snyder but if you see him shoot you probably people probably see him shoot way more than see me shoot i'm about the same kind of hunched over and, and canted over approximately that much i'm not like full-on doubled over like fred asbell but i'm also not bolt upright and I've, when I when I was still kind of developing, learning how to shoot, <clears throat> I could pull like almost like 30 inches. Okay, I'm I'm only like five eight, five nine, something like that. I'm probably closer to five eight. And just standing there perfectly upright, yeah, I can I can pull 30 inches all day long if I'm standing there bolt upright, perfectly aligned, and all that stuff. But when I started to practice in quote unquote real world conditions. Um, for different shots. So I like to shoot off my knees a lot because I hunt on the ground a lot. Um, I practiced on the ground. I practice shooting kind of, you know, you know, your optimal, I guess, if you're, you know, around the clock, let's say for a right-handed shooter, you know, would be like, let's say 10, 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock kind of thing. You know, that's your, your most, um, you know, your sweet spot. But then I would practice like, okay, what if something walks around on my eight o'clock and I'm sitting down on one knee or what if something comes around on my three o'clock or what if something, you know, a downhill or whatever. So my draw length, as far as, okay. And, and, and I'm using a clicker. I found that I was not hitting the clicker most of the time because I was contorted and I just physically, whether skeletal wise or muscular wise, I was, I was not getting to that same long draw length. And of course I'm tuning my arrows and I'm tuning them for, you know, perfect flight and bear shaft. And I want them to be slightly weak with bear shaft. And, you know, so that a, when I put fletching on it, they fly right. And B, if I don't quite come to full, you know, expansion and stuff, you know, in, in the field, then they're still going to fly straight. And I'm like, well, why am I tuning arrows for a 30-inch draw when in a real-world situation, shooting down from a tree stand, you know, contorted around a brush, whatever, I'm not going to hit 30 inches. And I basically get kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter until um, I ended up at like 27 inches. Now, I don't know if that's right, and I'm not telling everyone to do that. But in, in, in my mind, I was just kind of keeping a mental kind of tally not an actual physical number but like okay like i'm I'm hitting my clicker consistently i'm hitting my clicker consistently and if i make it longer i'm not hitting my clicker consistently in all these various so you try you 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 tend to get like a like a belt like a mental bell curve and you're like okay i can do it over here at this draw length i could do it over here at this draw length but this is the sweet spot where i know i'm hitting it most of the time and you may not be happy with the fact that it's only 27 inches because no one wants to short draw. Everyone wants to, everyone wants to draw long. <laughs> I right? would disagree you don't want to be with that, that guy. but I have a long draw. It sucks. Well, <laughs> it's probably hard to tune. Exactly. The only option you have is point weight, basically. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, Black Eagle. Black Eagle has, like, long long uh, arrows, don't they, for um Exactly. <clears throat> try for, try for finding an arrow setup where you don't dig your knocks into the ground. Freaking oh, leaning the yeah. bow up against the tree. 
Yeah, well, I, I had that problem with the Kodiak Magnum, regardless. But that's just a short ass damn bow. But you know, but I mean, th- and anyway, that that's that's what I'm saying. I don't know where I was going with that, but you 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 kind of went through the same thing. It seems like because you you confirmed that hey, in all these you know, other than perfect ideal stand upright conditions, you're not hitting your clicker. So I'm like, I like my clicker. I want consistent draw length every time. And I'm, and I'd rather have it than not have it. And I'm like, well, why have it if I'm not hitting it in real world conditions? And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to tune my arrows to, you know, here's the length that I always hit it or 90% of the time hit it. I'm good with that. What am I at now? And that's the, that's the draw length that I'm going to, um, tune, my setup to not necessarily what uh, you know a hope and a prayer of getting to 30 inches in another 20 feet per second. So that's <laughs> that's that's and, and and that's the reason why when I bought my bows they were 40 pound bows. I was thinking they're going to be end up like 45 because I'm pulling past 28. Well, that's how you end up with a 38 pound bow because <laughs> you go the other direction. You're like shit, yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to sell it because I shoot the damn thing so so you know so nice and stuff. But um, that's why yeah, I get so, my bows made at 29. <laughs> I figure it's a happy in between. There you go. I know it at least be that weight. <laughs> so what do you, what do you order? Um, jumping on the bow thing. What did you order from uh, from Widow? Uh, so just before people think I hopped on the Widow bandwagon, not to say people will, but I kind of feel like that might be an opinion based off of the amount of popularity they've gained lately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for certain reasons. Mm-hmm. I was the kid in school that would always have the Black Widow catalog out, <laughs> and it's kind of always been the dream bow to order a PSA. Okay. So uh, I kind of procrastinated ordering it just because I kind of figured it might be the like the bow that I finally stick with. <laughs> so yeah. I, 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 kind of, I kind of wanted to enjoy the path of trying out different bows first but i Mm -hmm. finally finally pulled the trigger this pat i don't know i ordered i don't know maybe a month ago at this point so yeah i figure i really want to shoot something with my silver tip but i figure i'll have that about two weeks into the season and i'll be curious if i can contain myself from tuning it up and using it but (laughs) uh with that said, I ordered a 62-inch PSA. It's 53 at 29. That's about the weight I like to shoot these days. Okay. Uh, I got the cooling grip just because I find a lower, flatter <clears throat> grip. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of neck issues for a while. I don't know what was causing them, but they seem to have subsided. And I find I just... heard uh, split finger and the instinctive causes that a lot. Yeah, I'll I'll <laughs> deal with it. Just bust your balls. <laughs> <laughs> Neck pain for life, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get it tattooed. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, yeah, I got the cooling grip because I the flatter grip is and just like the really planted my hand is seems to really help my bow shoulder stay down and that seems to really help the neck stuff. So I don't remember the last time I came in from a shooting session where my neck hurt a lot. So that's been nice. But yeah, 62-inch PSA. Uh, I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you follow it, I would assume so. I mean, who doesn't? Uh, <laughs> but uh, they posted a longbow a few weeks, maybe over a month ago at this point. But it was basically a gray bark with green glass versus red glass going through the riser. Mm, maybe. I follow them, but. Yeah, so I, I, I'm i having them do my PSA that way. So it'll be like a gray bark 
just your classic gray bark but instead of red glass going through the riser and in the limb tips yeah it'll be green glass is it is it like the darker green or like a like a like a like um like what blaine got it's it's more of no not not like i'm not that flashy that's flashy (laughs) i know uh no it's it's more of a forest green i'll send you a picture here in a second that sounds that sounds pretty sweet though it's uh i like the green yeah it was funny i almost felt bad because i i dealt with miles the first day Mm. and then i just felt like i was constantly changing my order i'm like if you guys would stop posting pictures that I didn't know were options <laughs> before yeah, right. I ordered, I wouldn't be sending you all these pictures and all these adjustments. But I think we finally got her dialed in. So they're nice bows, man. I uh, I, I did a, I went to a three D shoot with um, with Blaine, and uh, I shot his PMA. This is before he got this this PSA. So I shot his PMA, and uh, I'm like, man. Um, I had a, and, and that was like a 50 pound bow. I think he's pulling 52. I was pulling 50 on it and it shot so nice. And on the same day, and it was like piss and rain and it was us. And, uh, uh, who else was there? Uh, you know, TC and then Christoph, you know, from, from arrowheads yep. and stuff, you know, we we're all shooting together and, and, um, and I had my, I had my, my, my 59, but it was a, it was a 50 pound, uh, 59. So, and when that thing got, I don't know what it was. I don't know whether it was hitting my sleeve. I don't know whether the string absorbed water. I don't know what it was. But I was shooting absolutely terrible the first half of the day. The second half, because like, I brought two bows. I brought my grizzly. Second half, not a problem. And I'm like, why is this bow shooting? You know, and, and that was like a really eye opener for me because I wanted like, okay, I'm like, okay, I like the 59. I'm shooting that thing really nice. But I want, you know, higher poundage. I have no problem pulling 50, you know. And it was right at, it was right at like 49 to 27. And I shot that thing like crap. And I'm like, is it just me today? What's going on? So I said, can I shoot your bow? Yeah. You know, we, no problem. And that thing was just dead nuts. I mean, it was cause it's, cause it's, it's nice and heavy. It's, you know, like got the longer limbs and stuff, but then I was going through a phase. I'm like, man, I don't really want to go over 60 inch, you know, cause I just, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I noticed the extra length. Everyone's like, ah, oh, it's just another extra, you know, inch on one side, an inch on another. That's huge to me, you know, when you're walking around and I'm already, you know, sometimes like digging like the like the top, you know, because if my hand's like swinging, you know, and my bow's in my hand, like my front limb will dig dig into the dirt in front of me. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, like, so anyway, I I almost ordered a demo bow from uh, from Black Widow just to see, and they've got I wanted like a PCH. And which is like the short riser and like the, and like the 13 inch riser or whatever. Yep. And, and then I, and then I canceled it. I'm like, what am I doing? First of all, I can't afford it. Even if I like it. Number two, I don't think that bow, the PCH at like a 58 or 60 inch is going to feel anywhere near a solid, you know, rock solid and, and, and forgiving as Blaine's like 62 inch PMA. You know, I mean, yeah. they're completely different bows. So I'm like, if I'm, if I'm wanting, a, if, if it's not the same bow, it's not going to be the same feel. If it's not going to be the same feel, why am I even, why am I even going down that road? You know, yeah. and I've, and I've, I've kind of bounced around. I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've got a, a kind of hankering for an ILF thing, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I still want to try, uh, like a, like a Northern Mist, uh, classic, you know, like Jason's got, I don't know. I, I kind of want to go all over and just try all these things. And I've shot a bunch of bows and I keep coming back to like a 58 to 60 inch, um, you know, recurve. You know, I've tried the longbow thing. I've tried the pika, sweet bow, great bow, but just tiny little things with it that just 
don't don't gel with me and if if i have to think about it and if it's not shooting natural for me it's it's just it's got to go it's got to go down because i don't want to have to think about it you know <laughs> and i think your your shaper is probably the same way right i mean you've shot that thing forever i mean do you shoot that bow the best uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice. I got new limbs for it that are a little lighter. Those are my new limbs are 54 at 29. So yeah. those have been the only thing I dislike about that. I mean, that bow has so much sentimental value to me. I, I could, I don't care. It, I will shoot it regardless, but it, I, I hit my arm with it and it is the only bow I hit my arm with. Mm. And, uh, it was funny during that thousand shots. Cause that was the bow I was using. I didn't wear an arm guard once. <laughs> I, I literally, if I don't wear an arm guard now, it like takes one string shot and my arm's bleeding because <laughs> wow. I, I shot my arm, you know, freaking numb and whatnot mm-hmm. just because, you know, you got to be rugged. So, you know, that's what I'm telling myself anyways. So, but no, I, yeah, I probably definitely shoot that bow the best. Uh, I have a Black Widow PSR from way back in the day, and that seems to be my fallback bow. Mm-hmm. For some reason, whether per injury, per broken bow, or whatnot. It seems like I always end up shooting my PSR. That's a longbow, so, right? No, that's a that's their fifty styles recurves. And oh, it was funny you said you know you always end up back at that one bow, and mine seems to be the fifty style recurve because I have that PSR and I have a Great Northern Super Ghost, and that Super Ghost was very very close to edging out the silver tip this year. Yeah. <laughs> like I was jumping back and forth something mad. I think you were the one that jokingly said are you going to change your name? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it just I don't know what it is about 50 style recurves, but I just I really enjoy shooting them. I think it's the simplisticness of them. Yeah, it looks So cool. I think it'll be interesting shooting the widow. If I can get used to the brace height, because I, I don't know why, but for some reason, once you get over a seven and three quarters, maybe eight inch brace height, it feels like the bow's drawn for me already. It's just yeah. <laughs> yeah. the brace height's so high. I'm like, oh, look at that. I'm halfway there already. Halfway there. So, yep. Yeah. So I think that'll take some adjustment with the widow, but I've shot enough of them to know I like them. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what I'm hunting with next year. I know this year it's going to be the silver tip. I'm kind of doing a tribute year kind of to Paul, but I kind of want to run trad veins too, just to add to the ambiance of the setup mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm shooting off a bare weather rest. Veins, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, right. but I'm shooting off the bare weather rest this year and, uh, with veins or mm-hmm. that's my goal with veins, but right. that bow tunes a freaking weird arrow. It took me a long time to get over that, but I'm shooting, let's see, 54 at 29, probably drawing closer to 30. So, you know, probably 56-ish pounds yeah. out of that bow. And I'm shooting a full-length Easton Axis 500 with 315 grains up front. Wow. And it is a dart. No and I've had, I've had an extra 50 grains worth of brass, and it shot fairly well as well. But I found that 50-grain brass insert with a... 250 grain point is about perfect so it that's took, not weak out of that you would think from what i talked i talked with rms gear a little bit through mm-hmm. instagram messenger because they had a video up with aaron snyder where they were saying if you look down the limbs in the string and if the point is on the inside of the string mm-hmm. it the 
the common tunes go out the window sometimes. Yeah, because you're past center center cut or Ex- well past. Ex- yeah, exactly. So that's how that bow is now. With the bare weather rest, it's like dead even with the string, but I didn't find my tune changed. So, yeah. But yeah, no, it it was weird. It took me a long time to accept the fact that I wouldn't be shooting like a even a three forty would have made sense with that much weight up front. <laughs> yeah, especially with a full length and your and your and your and your uh, draw length and everything too. It's it's a lot of poundage. Yeah. So, so hmm, that's it. No, and, that's... And, and you're running what the the tough head? Yeah, it'll be the tough head this year. I thought about running four blade Eskimos because that's what he shot, but I I did find some. I did buy some but i just i wasn't very confident with how sharp i could get them mostly just because like working around the bleeders Mm -hmm. but i i really want to see what one of those tough heads will do to a deer in person i mean i've seen them obviously online and you know jason and whatnot so i know they're i know they're lethal head but they are just wicked looking the only thing if i had to get mad at tough head they're so darn long i have i think eight great northern quivers Mm mm-hmm and now I'm having to rebuy them because I need the long hood. You need a long hood. <laughs> so it's like they're kind of long. Yeah. Every time, you know, I'll, I'll pick up this bow. I'm like, oh, my green hood will look great on this. And I'm like, well, damn it. Freaking hood's not long enough for my broadheads. <laughs> Bob, yeah, I need another one. I'll just take my usual with a long hood. Bob and I over at Great Northern become pretty good friends. It's kind of mm-hmm. comical. <laughs> Yeah, they, I mean, they make. Uh, I, I have I have Selways on mine. I have two Selways, but I did have a, a Great Northern. They make a fantastic quiver, by the way. I, I I love the way they look. The only thing I don't like, and I don't know whether they do this or not, and it, and, and it, this is just like the anal retentive side of me, is the the wire on the the gripper side, okay, the yep. low side, sits taller than the, the the than the head side. You know what I mean? The top side. So, I do believe that is on purpose to get your feathers a little further away from your limb, just yeah, to prevent I hate the look. possible I hate clearance. The, I can't, I can't <laughs> deal with it. I can't, you know, I bought and I feel bad because they're a great company. Um, it's so Selway, don't get me wrong, but you know, I, I, I had one and I just, I, I tried to like it and I was looking at it. I'm like, it's not parallel with my bow. <laughs> it, what I have done in the past, you can. I'm assuming you had a strap-on version. Yeah, you can shift that top one to the outside or the you basically shift the lower one to the you know the far side of the limb and the top mm-hmm. one to the inside of the limb so you yeah. kind of cancel out the uh the difference if that makes sense I'm, so I'm, like, trying, I'm trying to think of it because i mean isn't it just like a height like so yeah you can move it i mean assuming you got the adjustable one you can move it in and out yeah but so you know obviously you can move where that pad sits on the limb before you strap it yeah so if you move the top one by the hood basically pull it away from the bow so it's Uh as and you still have that full pad on the limb but you pull it as far away from the bow as you can okay strap it there and then on the bottom you push it as far in so that pads you know if you're looking at the back of the bow the pad would be all the way to the left Okay. And the top one would be all the way to the right. It's kind of hard to describe, but okay. I, you basically you. you kind of shift it so it is even. I mean, the wires are still different lengths, but the quiver itself will be even that way. Right. Okay. Yeah. But I, no, I, 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 I'd I, have I, to look at it. I'm persnickety, but I'm not that persnickety. It's funny oh, online. It's just 
Yeah. I use limb-mounted quivers a lot on my three pieces because mm-hmm. they just bolt down under the, the limb bolts. <clears throat> yeah. And I have to have the wire that goes into the little washer. It has to be even with the outside of the washer. I don't care what the quiver looks like. It has to be flush. Oh. <laughs> So yeah, it's the little things, man. I mean, it's it's, and I, th- I think that's part of why. I I don't know if compound guys go through this. I mean, they match their accessories, you know. Um, I never got down that road. I don't. I I, I didn't care. I, I don't match like camo. I don't match this. I don't match that. But with with the traditional bow, I mean, it's it. Ninety percent of it for me is. It's all about looks, it, man. It's, it's, it's on looks because it's sitting in your hand. If you're sitting in a tree stand or on the ground or sitting there and you're staring at this thing because you're not shooting all the time, right? So you might as well look at something nice. And, you know, it's the little things exactly. like that. It's that all about the out. hashtag no filter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, the, yeah, the Great Northern thing for me, I I, I think they're beautiful, um, super solid, but uh, I'm I think I'm sticking with... Uh, with uh, Selway, I, I, I really, you know, I, I really like uh, products, but I mean, they're both the great products, obviously, but um, all right, so let's move, we've been going at this for over an hour now, so let's move on to um, like how you hunt, like your, your methods. Now, you and I kind of talked a little bit earlier today about, you know, some saddle stuff or whatever, but are you, are you 100% like going to be saddled this year or do you have like you know like some sort of mobile setup because it sounds like you're having to move your stuff in and out right you don't have like a permanent set anywhere uh i mean we we normally set permanent stands oh you uh, do la- last year was the first year i didn't sit set one yeah and i went full mobile last year and now keep in mind we typically only hunt 120 acres that's like kind of our domain is 120 acres so it's not a ton of land yeah but i was still hunting you know a new spot every day and the reason I like that here, even on such a small plot of land and, you know, general scheme is because each day you put thought into where you're sitting. So for some reason you chose to sit there that day. It's not like, well, the wind's kind of okay. You know, I might see a deer over there. So I'll go sit in, you know, the number one stand. We, we usually name all of our stands. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go sit in the number one stand because it's the most okay-ish stand today. <laughs> But when I started the mobile thing last year, you know, every evening hunt, all right, the wind's going this way. I think the deer are going to be over here, so I'm going to sit here. And it just gave me a really optimistic uh, hunt every time. So I think, you know, the little bit of time I lose from setting up a stand every time, I gain from just being optimistic while I'm sitting there. <laughs> I don't think what, I thought... What have, you been, was... what have you been using for a mobile stand? Uh, so I basically copied Jason Samkowiak set up to a T. My dad okay. makes fun of me for it, actually. Uh, you know, I went full pool noodle and everything. So all oh, the pool noodles off, off the stand. Yeah. Well, I mean, the shit works. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I even bought a Kuyu 2300 this year, but I made sure to get a different camo. So it's not a complete twin. <laughs> <laughs> but I also. <laughs> I also have a saddle that I started using. Actually, I went to Massachusetts last year and hunted. And that was the, I think I got the saddle in like the Thursday before I left. I left on Friday and I got the saddle in on Thursday. Me and my buddy both got saddles. We kind of played around with them when I got down there. And then we both hunted out of them that whole uh, three or four days I was down there for. So what would you get? Uh, I have an H2. Uh, okay. I kind of. I made my own perch. So I, I, that artesian, I think I said that right, perch that you have. Yep. 
I saw those on Facebook and I'm like, well, shit, I can buy a piece of, you know, aluminum angle. Yeah. So some sawzalling later, a couple ruined drill bits. And uh, I I had my own perch made for my lone wolf stick. And uh, I'm like, all, all I needed was the, the saddle and the perch because I already had a linesman's rope. I had a tether. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I think I can get into this fairly cheap. So I tried it quite a bit last year, or I tried it, you know, in mass. I, I don't think I ever sat in it in Vermont. So yeah. our, our our season's much longer this year than it was last year. By the time I got home from mass, our season was basically over. Uh, but so I'm hoping to do the saddle thing a lot more this year. My dad got into saddles, and he's been watching a lot of that New York saddle hunters. Oh, so, yeah. They like, do all that SRT with, stuff, right? Yeah. So I have rope, so I might try that. Uh, but I'm thinking I'm probably stick with my lone wolf sticks and then I'm thinking I about would probably stick with the lone wolf sticks. Yeah. Now I want to get it on camera, but my dad, keep in mind, I'm, I'm not in shape by any stretch of the imagination. And my dad is just a six, two version of me. You mm-hmm. know, we're both similar sized and he just had a knee replacement this year. I'm hoping yeah. he's not going to listen to this. Uh, but, uh, he, that's how he wants to hunt in the afternoon just cause he thinks he can, you know, get into some places he wouldn't otherwise be able to do it. Yeah. So he's been practicing that whole rope climbing thing a lot and he's kind of still getting over the knee replacement, but he does it. So he climbs with his, like most of the weights on his leg. Cause you can make it. So you have a foot loop that you kind of push up with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he doesn't even really use the leg that he had the knee replacement with. Right. Anyway, there's been a few days where we'll go up there and i usually do most of the walking around and checking trail cams thing so there was one day we were we were out scouting and he's like oh i'm gonna go over here and you know try my ropes out and whatnot so i i went changed all the sd cards in our cameras and he was like well just come meet me over there you'll see me i'll be between these two points <laughs> and as i'm walking up to that point i'm like you know i don't know if i'm gonna see somebody hanging from a tree like they struggling if he's gonna be up on a perch like all nicely or if he's just gonna be down on the ground just like shit went wrong. It, I just kind of started laughing as I was walking up to where he said he was going to be. Cause I had no idea what his success level was going to be. What did you find? <laughs> he was down on the ground. It went well. So it was, it okay. was good, but it was just kind of funny as I was walking up to him. Cause I had no idea. What those I was New York doing. guys. I, I don't know their names. I keep, I forget the channel, but especially the taller one. I mean, those dudes are in shape, especially the taller guy. That guy's in shape. I'm not in that shape. You know no, what I mean? He's an arborist and they make, for a living, so he's what? Yeah, what? He's an arborist, so that's what he does. Oh, okay, all right. So he walks up and down trees for a living. That's that's you know that's I don't know. They're they're all different methods. That's not something that that I don't I don't think I'm ever gonna try. Although because I, I think it's just like too much rope, you know, too much stuff. Because here here's the thing: there ain't you a prob- lot of weight savings to it in the end. <sighs> well, there is, but I mean, you 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 might you might have. have kind of run into this last year because you said you, you started doing the saddle thing last year i found that you know with all that you hear about how minimalist it is and how small it is and how lightweight and packable and this and that there's you 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 may lose the bulk and the weight maybe and stuff usually a lot of bulk from like a tree stand and you know multiple sticks if you're going to do like a one stick or something like that but i found that what you lose in metal parts you gain in like tens and tens of feet of extra rope and, and different ropes and carabiners and things like that. I found it, it, it certain methods turned into a big rope tangle. 
and rope management and and like dangly stuff management, you know, and paracord management becomes paramount, even though you lost like, you know, a bulky tree stand. That's I, that's just my observation from last year. I found it more cumbersome going up the tree, too. I don't know if that's the case for most, but like I had a harder time keeping my sticks quiet. Now, granted, with the saddle, I used four sticks and with the stand, I used three. So I that's probably a big part of the reason. But. With my lone wolf stand, I'll never forget it. The first time I set it up last year, it was, or the first time I set it up at night was opening day. And I remember getting to the top of the stand, you know, getting on. I'm like, wow, that went really well. That it was not my first experience with the saddle. Hmm. <laughs> but I, the, the thing that cracked me up the most about the first time going up in the saddle, I, sorry, I went a little Canadian there. Uh, was putting my weight onto the saddle at height for the first time. It was really funny trusting it. It just like I kept lowering myself back, lowering myself back. Like, when am I going to get this? <laughs> and it just it took forever. It was like a click to panic with the clicker. <laughs> but with the saddle, it's just like yeah, I, couldn't let myself, I couldn't let myself sit because I didn't know how it was going to end. So but no, I, I like the saddle. I would call it a consistent level of suck is how I like to describe the saddle. Mm-hmm. is it was never comfortable but it was never uncomfortable and tree stands for me have this big like wave you know there's peaks of comfortableness followed by very uncomfortable it's just this big continuous wave versus the saddle was just very straight it was never you know like i was comfy but i was never uncomfortable either so mm-hmm. i think a lot of that's going to come with just playing around with getting more used to it so did you practice a lot shooting down from a saddle from different positions or? Uh, oh man, I might get some hate mail for this. I shot probably 20 shots from my weak side and then I started hunting from it. <laughs> I was yeah. like, well, if I can get my weak side down, I would assume my strong side is going to be pretty solid. So, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's different, man. I guess, I mean, I, I play so much shooting in weird positions that like, it doesn't scare me that much to, just kind of wing it like that. Like that's Mm -hmm. probably a terrible thing, but it's, it was funny. The biggest deer I've ever seen in my life was out of the saddle. And it was probably lack of experience that screwed me in the situation mostly. But if I could go back to that day, I would have swung behind the tree because, you know, that's the advantage of a saddle is you have the Mm -hmm. mobility. Yeah. But no, I was just hanging out there as a 220 pound branch. And, uh, he made eye contact with me and just kind of bounded off. So, yeah, you got picked off. Um, you you were asking earlier. We we're talking about the um, platforms, different platforms. You think you're going to stick with with your platform that you have now, or? I think my buddy ordered a Predator. Yeah, because he just ordered the. I think he whatever Tethered's new saddle system is. He just ordered. Mm-hmm. So I will probably try his platform hopefully and see if I like it. Yeah, because I can see I kind of like how you can stand on it if you need to. Yeah, like where you can kind of put your shoulder underneath and use it as a a tree stand more or less. Mm-hmm. But I think what I'm most curious about this year is to see if the saddle or the tree stand wins out, like which one I use more. Because last year was the first year I ever used a lone wolf and I don't think I could use another tree stand now. I mean, after sitting in that sucker, I'm not going to lie, our old lock-ons just kind of seem unpleasant to use again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
but I'll be, I mean, I, I don't ever I mean right now on the land we hunt, I mean, I may walk a mile and a half. So, you know, the weight of a stand is not terrible. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't mind setting it up. I never really had an issue with it. I have those little backpack straps on it. So I just carry it on my back up the tree, swing it over, hook it up and, you know, good to go. So I, I bought the saddle more out of curiosity. So I'll be curious to see if I use the saddle more or if I just kind of stick with the stand. Yeah. One of the benefits, like people always say, you know, it's not that hard carrying it over. It was never like about the weight for me. It's not even about the bulk either. It's not that bad um, to do that. For me, it was carrying it up the tree. The whole transition from whether it's on your back and then trying to swing it off your back and then slap it against the tree and then get the buckle on and, you know, you're making all this noise. I, I hated doing that. That's probably like, it sounds stupid because, I mean, people that, 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 that hunt on a tree stands like all the time up and down are probably like, well, that's just, I mean, that's as, as normal as wiping your ass. I mean, what's so hard about it? But for me, for some reason, I just never got like... It was it was the part I dreaded the most. I'm like, oh, I gotta hold this thing up and swing the strap around and whatever, and try to lock it down and get into it and whatever. So, trying to eliminate that for me was was huge. And also, um, I did the back the backpack strap thing. But depending on the time of season, like early, you know, depending on the time of the season would dictate how much stuff I had in my actual pack and how much stuff I was actually taking into the woods. And then that would dictate whether I strapped a smaller pack to my tree stand and wore my tree stand as my shoulder straps and then walked in that way or flipped it around later on where I had a more a bigger backpack and then tried to strap the tree stand to the back, back of the backpack and then not use those you know uh, straps and the molly belt and things like that cuz you know I had that on my XOP and it was just too many options of like different systems. It's like, okay, this is kind of late-ish kind of system. This is kind of cold weather system. But if it's hot one day and cold another day, and what do I do? I mean, it sounds stupid, but I mean, I like have, having everything just kind of like one. And this is how everything's laid out logistically inside. Everything goes in a certain way, goes out a certain way. And I, I kind of flip-flop back and forth of, of how to carry stuff with the tree stand. So when I decided to ditch that i'm like okay well with the saddle and especially since i went to, the, to this one stick method um i'm like okay well it's it's on there it's i'm always only have this one stick and i can just strap this one stick to pretty much anything and i don't have to i don't have to worry about you know do i carry three sticks or four do i carry you know eighters or this that and the other and um it just it just ended up working better now um i was talking to i had uh dan from um eastern woods outdoors um doublesteps.com he was on a, a guest a few episodes ago and then we got to talking about uh re- repelling down and that's that looks like a lot of fun and i've actually tried it in my basement you know like repel down a whole like three four feet you know from the top to bottom before you run out of space to practice and um but then that requires like a whole lot more rope you know like the ropes i'm using are like eight millimeter oplux and they both like ball up in the size of my hand and i i'm using like two tethers you know, and, you know, one can be used as lineman belt. One can be used as a second tether to get around, you know, tree uh, limbs and things like that. And when I'm at height, I, I run both just for safety, but they're so small. Now, if I were to get like another 30 feet of rope, just so I can rappel down faster or not have to one stick down, then I got to carry that extra rope and like going back to the whole tangles and extra 
carabiners and an extra, you know, auto block, which is like a little Prusik that's, you know, they use to back up your, you know, repel device and this, that, and the other. So you're adding all this other paraphernalia where I was trying to trim it down before. So, and, and what's the analogy there, Schaefer? What's can, I mean, have when, when have you heard that in in the traditional world too about, man, I wanted to get into this because it's supposed to be simple. (laughs) The, the weight savings is canceled out by complications. Or exactly. <laughs> the uh, It's funny. I don't know if you watch DIY Sportsman on YouTube, mm-hmm. but he just yep. put out a video about him, his one stick climbing method and rappelling down. And I think that's like the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, yeah, to go back to what you were saying with the whole backpack thing, that's why I bought that Kuyu is because well, I have a few questions, one about saddle hunting, and then I'll kind of go over this. But I last year I carried the stand on my back. I would strap my two, like, you know, warmer. I strapped a, a sweatshirt and my Asbel uh, wool to the stand. I'd carry it in, and then all I had was my Alpha Pack. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I had for a backpack, and I didn't like that. Not that I didn't like the Alpha Pack, just, like, I didn't like having that little bit of a stuff (laughs) you know like yeah i barely could fit a water bottle in it so i what's the oh the push the alpha pack yeah just the little leg pouch it did work well for going up the tree though because i could keep the uh i think what's technically the arrow part of it that's Mm -hmm. where i kept my uh tether so i kind of could switch my tether out with that real easy so it worked well there but uh other than that, I bought that pack because I wanted a sure system, regardless of ma- the amount of clothes, that I could strap my stand to <laughs> and not have to worry about clothes. Because that's another reason I bought the saddle, because I was like, well, with the saddle, I can just carry a regular backpack. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to worry about the stand. So this leads into the question I had. Do you find it easy to add top layers wearing a saddle? Because that's the one thing that's really turned me off is the like just trying to add layers because like you kind of have to like awkwardly tuck it into the saddle and it never seems to work just right but you can't really unclip from the saddle like in a stand if i was putting on like a pullover i would get it on all the way and then i would just kind of quickly unclip my tether run it through the neck hole clip back in and then i would you know it'd be like it would be normal but with the saddle the one thing i've really ran into is like when i try to put on my asbel uh jacket i get it on but then there's just so much bagginess right at my waist because i can't get it into the saddle yeah. so i don't i i mean it, it's something small like that that kind of well maybe i'll stick with the stand no you make a very good point especially with the kind of bows we shoot because if what that what that does if you think about it um, or if anybody listening is kind of visual, trying to visually follow along here, you've got the bridge that, that comes up from, from either side of your hip and it kind of goes like, it makes like a little teepee going in front of you. Well, if you put like a, a jacket or something on, on top of all that, and there's really no way to tuck it in, you can kind of tuck it in, in the front a little bit, you know, in, in the triangle part of the teepee, but off to the side and behind, you know, down your sides and stuff, there's, you really can't cause you're, cause there's you're you're hanging in you're sitting in that in that saddle and it's putting tension it's almost like someone like grabbing you by the belt and pulling you forward right so trying to tuck something inside of there is kind of hard and if you have any extra material any baggy material that kind of lays on top of that and lays on top of any of the of your of your bridge straps or anything like that 
then that's more stuff that on a downward kind of twisting angle you can have string contact with or limb contact, probably string contact with, which could throw off your shot. So, yeah, that that is something absolutely that you have to be cognizant of, and you just got to, um, I guess, kind of work around it. For, yeah. for cold weather, I've, I've had the the, um, the first light on Capagre for like four or five years now, and it's not very bulky and I'm, but even, even that adds a little bit of extra, you know, padding and, and, and material and stuff. So I, you end up sometimes having to kind of like pull it around to the front and tuck it in where you can and kind of just anywhere you can kind of tuck it and make it tight to your body, yep. um, especially on your, your bow side, then yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a potential, uh, potential interference problem. Yeah. Of course, as we were talking, I was thinking with a platform, I could see how you might be able to stand up on it and just create enough free space on the back where you could tuck it in a little better. But mm-hmm. it would still be, I don't know, that was, it was funny because that was like what I was thinking would be the biggest perk is I didn't have to deal with the tether. Yeah. Like I've been thinking about going to a rock climbing harness for a tree stand uh, safe or, you know, harness mm-hmm. just so I don't have anything coming out of the neck hole. Mm-hmm. Because that's like, just say goodbye to hoods, basically, because there's nothing more annoying than a, a hood and a freaking tether coming out of your neck hole. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was like what I was super excited for. I was like, man, I'll just be able to throw on a jacket. And it turned out to be slightly different. So, but like yeah, I said, I don't, done. I don't have a ton of experience with it so far. So that was definitely one of the things I'd notice to this date anyways, as far as the chat or the, the challenge of learning the saddle but the yeah, more i see people use them the more it. i am intrigued by them yeah agree and you you just got to get it, it it it's not as easy you you've you've probably figured this out too it's not as easy as they make it they make it and not and not to pick on tethered okay i love those guys but you know they're the ones that put out the most videos about like hey you can shoot 360 and swing around and do this and swing around and do that it's like well yeah but most trees aren't like like the dead perfect you know like poles that they're demonstrating on number one and uh you know number two it you until you actually go and actually practice it especially with a traditional bow it's so much easier with a compound bow because the compound bow you just pull back and i mean yes you still have to have alignment blah 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 but realistically all you need to do is put the pin up front look through the peephole and i mean and you're the rest as long as like your two hands right are at full draw and one's forward and one's back and you're, you're aligning everything you know front sight rear sight basically you can let go and your body can be contorted all kinds of ways and that shot's probably going to be pretty damn good with a traditional bow, we've got so much um, more we got to think about with, with first of all, with limb clearance. Second of all, say, our limbs are as long as their bows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Each limb. Exactly. You got so you got limb clearance to think about. You've got, um, uh, you, know, you know, pulling and anchoring at full draw with, with a compound is not the same as it is with a traditional bow. OK, because you can you, you can. You can do that with with the release, and you know, your elbow doesn't have to be perfectly right, and everything like that. And I'm not saying that's the ideal way to shoot, but with a trad bow, your your whole like upper body needs to do what it needs to do to execute a good non like torqued, you know, like effed up shot. You know what I mean? So you have you you need to put the your whole body in a in a 
stable enough lower platform. And I don't mean the platform you stand on, but I mean a lower base so that your body has like a good, you know, solid structure below it so that your upper body can do what it needs to do and twist around and still um, come, you know, you know, full expansion or come to anchor or whatever it is that, that you do. And I found that to be a lot harder than, than it looked, especially if you kind of lean off to the side a little bit and like, you know, you're, you're the pendulum, mother, mother nature and gravity wins out every time you're the heavy point. So you're the plumb bob that finds the low spot. So then you got to brace yourself against, you know, use your knee, you use your foot, you, you know, opposing legs or whatever to kind of brace yourself, your lower body to keep from swinging around and, and being stable. And then you got to worry about your upper body and, and, and going through that whole draw cycle with a traditional bow. There's a whole lot more to think about, and I'm by no means um, did I did I perfect it or am I good at it. I'm just looking forward to practicing more this year. Is all I can say. Yeah. Now, one another question I have going kind of along the lines of where you can and can't shoot with a traditional bow out of one. Uh, I don't know if it was just every setup I had in Massachusetts just seemed perfectly wrong, but. Where do you try to face? Because I found I was almost putting my back to where I thought the deer were going to be coming from. Yep. Because in those circumstances, my sh- I was trying to basically put my strong side where I thought I would be shooting. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like every time that was my back towards the way I, you know, thought the deer were going to be coming from. So, yep. I... I'm trying to think, I mean, I guess I feel like it would probably be pretty easy to shoot from obviously six o'clock, maybe to 10 o'clock. As you get closer to that 12 o'clock, you know, my upper limb's going to start battling with the tree. Right. It's going to get close to the tree. You're hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I, I would do the same thing. So I would be basically, um, the, the deer would be theoretically coming from behind me. And my most comfortable shooting position is to then um, swing back around, back to my, like, let's say, 7 or 8 o'clock position and shoot that way. That way I'm hanging away from the tree. I got the most maximum clearance. And, you know, my upper body is is kind of leaned back away. And that's the way that naturally that my body wants to sprawl out and be able to shoot. So, yeah, if you're facing the tree, theoretically the best way for them to be coming is from like your seven or eight o'clock, maybe nine o'clock position. And that's perfect. As they, as they get past much like nine 30, 10 ish, maybe you're right. Then, then you're, you're not only crowding yourself because you're bringing your bow in front of your body more and having to twist around, but then you're also crowding into the tree a little bit. So yeah, I, I found the same thing, which is counterintuitive to when they say, well, you know, you can, you can hot, you can face, um, you, you can position yourself so that you're on the backside of the tree from where you expect them to be coming and they don't see you. Well, this way, with a traditional bow, you have to be on the side that they're coming from, you know, and, and they're, they're, they'd be looking at your butt as, as they're walking up. You know, whereas with a, like I was saying, with, with a compound, if you're on the backside, because all these guys are demonstrating this with a compound bow. With, with a compound, if you're on the backside, well, you can peek around a little bit and contort yourself and still come to a good draw and again line up the front sight rear sight and take a shot you don't have that that um luxury with with a traditional bow yeah i could see setting up so they would be coming towards you and they would walk by your tree and you would shoot around you know like nine o'clock 
mm-hmm. I could see that working well. Yeah. But to your point, like you were saying with them walking up to you, I, I, I think I'm a pretty big branch. So I'm not saying I don't look natural up in a tree, mm-hmm. but I would be curious to know what looks more less suspicious per se you know Mm -hmm. you in a tree stand kind of leaning up against the tree or leaning off the tree at a 45 like a branch yeah exactly i'd be curious i mean obviously it'd be hard to test but i'd be curious to know which one is less suspicious to a deer i know i i'm trying to figure out which one i have an easier time standing still in because with a saddle, you know, the nice thing is, is all your weight's on your butt. So, like, my mm-hmm. legs and feet don't get tired as easy. Yep. But I find myself swaying back and forth a lot. Oh, it's Just, fun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to stop myself to doing it all the time. Like, God damn it, stay still. <laughs> Same. You're like, la, 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 la. You're like, what am I doing? But, I'm the only branch swinging in this entire forest because it's dead calm. Of course I don't see any deer. <laughs> yeah. I never said I wasn't unsuccessful for a reason. Exactly. Vermont's just a really good excuse. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, in a tree stand, I get really antsy. Just because, you know, I, I tend to sit until my butt hurts and then I'll stand till my feet hurt. Mm-hmm. So I try to make it at least a half hour and eat or I try to at least stand for a half hour and then sit as short as time as possible. Right. But I I think I would I think I'm technically I would say the motion I make in a saddle is more natural, if that makes sense. Like it would be less abrupt to a deer. Yeah, because you look, you look, you might, you might, if you do it slow enough, you might look like a swaying branch in, in the breeze versus yeah. a Hopefully blob a, that stands yeah. up. Hopefully, I'm a widow maker up there, you know, to a, a deer or something like that. You know, something right. that got caught up and is just swaying. <laughs> right, right, right. But I, I would be curious to know which one would technically be better. Like in the worst case scenario, as far as like. With a deer, like, it'd probably be what happened to me in Massachusetts. I mean, I was hanging. Obviously, I was facing the tree, and the deer came from 9 o'clock. So, like, he, you know, full on, I was hanging at a 45. It's not like he came from behind me, so I was kind of in line with the tree. Mm-hmm. Or he came from in front of me, so the tree was in front of me. No, he came from 9. So, you know, it was full on. There's 250-pound Schaefer hanging off the side of a tree. Yeah. You know, so. Versus a stand... I could have been there, but I could have been leaned right up against the tree. You know, it would have just looked like there was a knot in the tree or something. But, you know, it's it's hard to say. I don't regret that day at all. So I think but. we might be overthinking it, too, because. Um, <laughs> oh, for sure. I, tend I to mean, what wasn't it? It was a Fred Bear said the best camouflage is just sit down and be still, you know. So no matter where you are, whether you're sitting in a tree stand or standing leaning against the tree or sitting on the ground or hanging at a 45 degree angle, you know, in, in a saddle, just stop moving, <laughs> stop yeah. fidgeting. Get off. Your I phone. don't know if, I don't know if anybody else does it, but I don't think a bow works as well as an invisible, uh, invisibility cloak as I think it does. Holding it in front of your face does not make you disappear. <laughs> Do you no think it breaks how... up your outline though? Cause I've tried that before. I've, tr- I've tried like, you know, I think there's definitely a reason to it, but I don't know if it's as effective as we all hope it is. <laughs> That's, I know, like, I always squint, and I try to, I always try to get my bow quiver just high enough so I'm looking through my arrows. Oh, yeah, you don't want to see their eyes. I've done the squint thing, too, and then I blink, and then they blink back, and then they're gone. Exactly. So, yeah. 
but I, I I'm sure it works, but it always kind of cracks me up afterwards. Like, did it really? <laughs> did it really? You know, that? I want to try some of these, uh, like like quiver mounted or bow mounted kind of um, uh, vegetation or like fake plastic vegetation. You know, so that you just, you know, you, when you're holding it up, it kind of looks like you've got like you know branches or leaves or whatever in front of you so you're basically walking around with your own camo and that's for you know just kind of trying to hide your face and break up your your head and shoulder outline kind of thing um i I tried that uh was it last year just kind of sitting i was just just messing around i was hunkered down somewhere and on the side of a hill um in some brush and stuff and trying to shoot out of a hole and um there was some just branches and stuff i was sitting there i'm like okay well i'm kind of bored and I, I i grabbed them and i kind of broke them up and i started shoving them like into my quiver and like kind of weaving it in between my arrows and stuff you know long enough so they kind of jutted out of like different angles and i thought you know this this could probably well i mean I, i'm not the first one to think of this obviously you know but i, I think it having makes sense it makes sense they make like bow socks you know or the limb, limb socks you know the camo ones um which i'm sorry I, I, again, I, I know it's, it's supposed to be 100% function and all that stuff, but those things are so ugly, I won't put them on my bow. I'd rather look at my nice, shiny, beautiful limbs than <laughs> it's, not, it's, not shoot it's... something than put those <laughs> 80s, like, you know, Fred Bear camo on, yeah. my, on, on my limbs. It's almost funny when you think about it, though, because, you know, we're all trying to find the best camo, but yet we yeah. go out there with our chartreuse feathers. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's it's, you know, ultimately they see black and white for the most part. So mm-hmm. I have often wondered that with feathers, like I hear you don't want to wear your have like all white feathers because you have that big clump of white right there. Yeah, but, I don't do white feathers for safety. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny you were saying all that limb stuff. I don't know. I think it sounds like you missed a pretty key area that, you know, the Wenzels recommended in one of their videos, which was nose camo. They did nose the same. Camo. They did the same thing. They stuffed some branches up in their nose. <laughs> what? It, it was. It was a. Uh, it was like the uh, blooper reel at the end of the video. They were oh. stuffing branches all over their bow, and then I think it was. I can't remember if it was Barry or Gene, but they found two twigs that like perfectly went up their nostrils, and he had uh, a branch hanging out of each nostril. It was freaking hilarious. You're probably too young for this, but have you ever seen the movie The Jerk? No, with with Steve Martin, Steve Martin. Yeah, Steve Martin. It's like an old movie. It's like late 70s, early 80s or whatever. And uh, there's long story short, but like there's there's a, a product, a total like just stupid like product that like he comes up with. And it's it's he calls it the Opti Grab. And it's basically like instead of it's it's like mounts to like the like the bridge of your glasses if you wear glasses so you don't like mess up your lenses by grabbing them or whatever. So and they kind of protrude out. It's like a little tab or a little handle or whatever that's like right in the middle of the bridge of your nose. And he calls it the opti grab. And he makes like like he becomes a millionaire off of this thing. It's just completely like stupid <laughs> off the wall like comedy. I think we should do something like an opti grab, but like a. Uh, like an opti fade grab or something, you know, for, and you could, you could, if you wear glasses, you can put these things on and then you can just kind of like shove like little camel things, uh, on, on, in the bridge of your nose and kind of cover up your face and look through that and kind of walk around with like leafy camo, uh, glasses on. I don't know. <laughs> might, See, make some, it, might make some money. It's funny you say that. I mean, a lot of people think my beard's just patchy, What they don't know is it's strategically grown to break <laughs> up my face. <laughs> It's a camel beard. 
Exactly. You know, if you have just a full beard, it's just a block of color. But if it's nice and patchy, it really breaks it up like a nice camouflage. So it's yeah. really it's grown for purpose. People yeah, don't and realize. I, and, that. I, and I wear glasses too. I always worry about my glasses. You know, the, the shine off the glasses. But I don't. I don't know what you could do anything about that other than try not to to look face, at. You know, face yeah, face right them. over them. Face paint right over them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Be golden. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but uh, all, all I know is I'm I'm trying different stuff. You know, I'm gonna yeah. try more different stuff. I think I've last year was really good as far as like figuring out what I definitely did not like and what I liked. And this this over the past several months, I've been trying different things aside from bows. You know, I, I tried the Predator. I decided to sell the Predator. You know, um, I you know decided to go back to that artisan you know outdoor platform but i, I flipped the platform around so like it, it stays away from the tree a little bit more so oh, i can have a little not more a bad idea yeah so i try i'm trying that because because my problem with 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 those um was i i have no problem standing on sticks that's not the problem the problem is when you're leaning around the tree around the side of the tree the back side of the tree i didn't have a good enough foothold to push off you know, with one leg or, 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 or two feet or whatever, and to be able to push off and kind of stabilize myself. I always had one leg kind of dangling, but I think with, um, and, and, and heavy or not, I actually, um, I rat when I get up to, when I get up to height, I actually ratchet strap. I take a ratchet strap as loud. I mean, I can do it quietly as bulky as it is. I ratchet strap my, uh, my Hawk helium stick to the tree. That way it does not move around. It doesn't kick out. It doesn't squeak. It doesn't, you know, um, that way I can push off to the side and stuff. So I'm, I'm going to try it that way. I tried it a little bit, but I haven't really gotten a really good urn to sit in it and to try it out. But I flip, I flipped the top of that platform and it, it's good. Instead of going toward the tree, if you guys kind of look it up, you see what I'm talking about. Instead of going toward the tree, I did it. So it's going away from the tree and, um, it still gives you plenty of room to put your feet on, but it, it gives you a little bit more distance away from the tree for just overall clearance. But I think it, it also moves the back edge of that um, step away so that if you were to step around the side or the back side of the tree, you, you have, have something to hook. put your, yeah, you got your, your foot can actually get in there now between the tree, between the tree and the, and that platform and kind of push off of there to stabilize yourself. And then, you know, your other, your other um, leg, you just kind of hook your knee into the tree and kind of stabilize that way. That's what I'm going to practice. Um, you know, but like I said, I, 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 I've just been trying different things, you know, different straps, different configurations. And, uh, I, you know, like I said, I really like to do the rappel thing, but I just can't do the extra 30 feet of rope or 25 feet of rope, you know, on top of what I'm already carrying, plus the, you know, the rappel device and plus the extra Prusix and carabiners to back it up and, you know, whatever. But yeah, I know that's, it's, it's, that's one reason I haven't. My dad bought me rope, too, to try that SRT or whatever it's called, climbing. My biggest fear is I won't be able to remember how to tie all the knots. Because <laughs> every every time you you know, you know come down, you got to tie and or you got to put the rope away and you undo all your knots. Yeah. And I'm like, good. I mean, I... Hey, I got I a maybe... video series, man. I did like four of them. I'm going to put another one out there. <laughs> Saddle hunting knots, you should know. <laughs> I think... Oh, what is it? I don't even know what it's called. Freaking... It's... I I can do a few knots, but man, for some reason, I am terrible at remembering how to tie knots. I got the overhand down, you know. I got the bunny ears. Figure eight the, on a bite. That's that's the one for your tether. That's the one you want. Yeah. So, but 
No, I mean, I, I'm excited to try it more this year. I might have to flip my, my platform around. You got me very curious about that. I'll have to... Yeah, try it. I'll have to cut in some grooves on the other side just so it has some, as I like to call, gription. Oh, just, purchase, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so... My, the only thing, I wish I'd cut more out. I, I was kind of going off of memory, so I I cut as much as I thought was safe, but I think mm-hmm. I, I left a lot of weight <laughs> on there versus what I could have done. So Right, yeah. Because yeah. I think that stick itself with that perch is five pounds. Oh, is it really? Yeah, so, I mean, it's yeah, a full-size pretty- lone wolf stick. Right. I mean, the aluminum itself doesn't weigh that much, so I think a lone wolf stick is like two pounds a pop, maybe, yeah, maybe more than that, something like that. Yeah, yeah two and a half. So. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still liking that hawk helium, and that's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll with. So that's, that's the fun part of this thing too, is uh, just trying out just, just different stuff, just like with, you know, just, just like I get in with the bows and the arrows and stuff. I mean, I just, I like trying different things, and I usually end up going back. You know, and then I'll try oh, it again and I'll go big. back. Yeah. Usually I'll go, what was it? One, it's funny because I don't mind FOC, right? Not to get down the FOC rabbit hole. Mm. But FOC is kind of something I always come across because I like a heavy arrow. Yeah. So with carbons, it's almost a byproduct. In one year, there was just so much FOC talk. It was kind of driving me up the wall. Yeah. It's like... I, I feel a lot of the time this sport, like we've been talking about, gets overcomplicated and it drives people away because the simplicity has kind of been stolen. Mm-hmm. And uh, the year I hunted with wood arrows, that's where it all started. It was just, it's just this FOC thing was so crazy that year that I was like, you know what? Screw this. We're going we're gonna to buy some Sherwood Doug furs. And throw a broadhead on the front of it, and we're going to hunt with it this year. Yeah, And that was the reason I did it. So I'll be curious, like right now, I've been kind of pricing out staves, thinking about, you know, building a self-bow. Mm-hmm. So I find I tend to get really complicated, and then I drive back a few steps back towards a more, prim- I don't want to say primitive, but yeah, the more complicated I make it, the more I realize how much I enjoy the simplicity. Like... The whole time we've been talking, I've been looking at my wood arrows, and I've been going, I wonder. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got, I see three different sets I've made over the years right here. And yeah. A lot of them are tipped with cutthroats. I don't, I think they'd be too stiff, so a 190 meathead would probably be perfect. Yeah. But, oh man, that's the other thing I see when I'm sitting here is the amount of money I've spent on broadheads. <laughs> it's just... Well, if you don't around. buy six at a time, and you got you know, to, and, 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 and never and never shoot one into an animal once every four years, maybe you know you you, you kind of you got to look at it this way. Up here, when you do shoot something, you retire the arrow. That thing did something special. <laughs> that goes on the wall. So now you're down to five. Right, right. And you, you dedicate one to practice. So really, you're down to four. It's not even right. a quiverful. So yeah, you got to. So you got to buy six. another six. Okay, I get you. <laughs> Whatever, whatever you got to do to justify it, man. That's... It sounds Weird. really good when I tell my wife. That's all yeah. that matters. But yeah. no, it's the the tough head thing. I, that's one reason I like tough heads because they're reasonably priced. Yeah, <laughs> and they're a lot easier on the wall. I mean, I have I have eighteen cutthroats, and that hurts. <laughs> mm. But I have six two fifties, six two hundreds, and six one sixties. Because I like to buy 
uh, broadheads and sixes. Mm-hmm. It's just like I, I have a hard time buying arrows in half dozens. It's like, well, I may as well buy the dozen. You know, I enjoy making arrows. Yeah. <laughs> Do I need a dozen? That's the question. Right. It's a good thing I'm young and dumb and I still have time to save money. And you don't have a kid right now. Yep. No. Yep. No. Yep. Yeah, that that stuff tends to go away when you, uh, <laughs> when you know, you, it, when you get other responsibilities. It's funny when I got married, kids were obviously brought up, and uh, I kind of had a feeling it was. I always jokingly told my wife two to three years. The issues were on the cusp of that two to three years. Yeah. So that's when I really started buying stuff because I'm like, this is gonna go away soon, so I may as well stock up. You're gonna bank <laughs> up a little bit. Yeah. 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 That's so. not a bad idea. <laughs> Trying to think ahead of ahead of schedule here. I've always wanted that bow, this bow, that bow. Probably should do it now. <laughs> there you go. Dude, we've been on two hours. It's amazing how quick it goes. I told you, just, just a, a BS session talking about stuff that we, we pretty much talk about like on Instagram all day long. <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous like i said it snowballed it's like the one like i don't know if i've ever messaged somebody about the podcast and gotten something other than i don't know if i'll be a good guest but i can talk about bow hunting all day long i'm like that's pretty much your only qualification i need yep yep a semi-decent like audio connection and uh you know a slight bit of a personality and then you're good to go you know so when i talked to bill langer that was like i've talked to aaron snyder and bill langer and the bill langer podcast i was so much more nervous for <laughs> did you have him on i just text i just messaged him bill um, langer yeah i was i'm trying to get him i, I i'm like oh i want to get this guy i didn't know you don't i didn't know you had him. i'm sure i listened to it because i listened to them all yeah, but it was I did. it was episode eight and then i just had his father on uh my second to last episode was his father oh okay all right yeah but i, I no, just messaged I, like, him a few days ago yeah i grew up watching his videos like you asked me about hunting when i was younger that's what kept me motivated back yeah. in the day i would throw one of those videos on listen to fred bear ted nugent fred's bear and watch yeah. one of those videos and that was what got me pumped to go out hunting the next day nice. to see nothing so it was it was like amazing getting to talk with him so he actually he invited me to go hog hunting in florida this winter so oh nice i am like and talk about target panic (laughs) you tell me i have to shoot a pig with him watching yeah that might be up your alley because you shoot fast and pigs don't stop so you got to shoot fast so that might be your thing yeah and don't do like i did so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> win one, but all right, man. So, um, why don't you tell everybody, uh, where you're, you're at and all that stuff. And then we can wrap this up. All right. Well, uh, obviously you can find me on Instagram at green mountain Tradcast. I believe it's green mountain underscore Tradcast. It's no green underscore mountain underscore Tradcast. I believe something along those lines, everything in Instagram is underscore between names, I think so. Or words. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, Green Mountain Tradcast. I'm I have a Facebook page. It's pretty much just a duplicate of my Instagram page. So, but other than that, obviously you can find me on pretty much any podcast uh, listening site. You know, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. I think my podcast is on. So, other than that, you know, if you want a shirt, I have a Teespring. So I think I have one shirt option at the moment, but. 
other than that, that's pretty much my my gist. So cool. Hang on the phone with me. So um, and everything that Schaefer said, I pretty much have the duplicate, except it's bow hunting soul <laughs> all the way down <laughs> to the Teespring. And and just a note about that, I keep telling people this: if you go, unless I don't know how many shirts you're selling, I'm selling like like very few. If you go to Teespring and actually type in what like whatever. Unless you sell like a shit ton of these, you don't even come up in their search, which really pisses me off. So I have it in my link in my bio on Instagram, and that takes you directly to, you know, the Bowhunting Soul store. And then you can go, you know, search all the shirts and stuff. But if you go to teespring.com and search Bowhunting Soul, I do not come up. I don't know what the hell that is. It's, it's, you need like a minimum, minimum, and they don't tell you what the minimum, uh, you know, revenue numbers, you know, are for them, for you to be good enough for you to, uh, be part of their search but um so i don't know if you do that in your bio but yeah link link in the bio on instagram and it takes you right to that um you know lots of cool shirts so anyway so go go check out schaefer go listen to schaefer he has a lot of cool guests on and uh i guess i will talk to you guys next week thanks for listening